Are you getting yourself ready for our show? Guys, Jigs and Bigs, it's Tuesday. We've got an amazing show for you guys. I mentioned this last episode that there was something that was about to happen, and guess what? It freaking happened. We're going to talk about what that is, and uh, we're kind of celebrating this week's show in a big way, in a major, major, major way. Um, we have lots to talk about this week. Um, in fact, the uh, October uh, tournament is live. You guys can register right now with those brand new species categories and everything you can get involved we're going to talk about that stuff we've each had wild weeks that we need to go over and discuss all kinds of great stuff this week we have joe logan from uh logan party of forerunner they're on youtube they're on tiktok they're on instagram and this is a out on overlanding family and uh joe and i did some talking about you know overlanding and sort of the relationship that it plays with my fishing adventures but he's got some amazing stories dude and you want to talk about like going in that theme of family in the outdoors he lays right into it you guys are not going to want to miss this and this week is the very last bait of the week we have our final installment for the top five favorite beats uh beats favorite baits and that is coming up in segment number two for you guys you're not going to want to miss it we have lots of great stuff lined up this week more jigs and bigs goodness is coming up for you guys don't go too far get yourself something to enjoy we'll be back right after this I flip back my screen and I see Joe playing like Hot Wheels with a jerk bait. <laughs> That's freaking great. <laughs> oh my God. What a week, gentlemen. What a yep. week. What a week is right. Yeah. Yep. yep. Um, so we should pull the, the cover off of this thing and just explain exactly why we're so stoked right now. Because uh, we just this past week crossed over the threshold of 100,000 total listens on Jigs and Bigs. And thank you to the listener for making that happen because we sure as hell couldn't do it. Like, yeah, we had to make the shows, but you guys had to actually be there and listen to it. And it's amazing that it happened. And it happened before 200 episodes. That's wild to me. Like, absolutely wild to me. Um, we also had a little bit of a shakeup, too. In um, our number one most listened to episode, the number one most listened to episode as of this last week is that episode from last December where I camped on the Cape with Becca in that wind and in, uh, in rainstorm. Remember, I went fly fishing for the first time and, you know, this, this wild storm. We decided it'd be a great idea to camp out by the ocean. And uh, it, this was in December, freezing cold temperatures. It was wild. Um, Becca discovered her inner old person and was yelling at uh, teenagers goofing around in parking lots, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, so I guess that means she's our favorite guest right now. 
you know, the most listened to guest anyway. That's pretty amazing. So, I mean, all kinds of things are happening, but but uh, appreciate it. A lot of you guys have reached out on Instagram. Uh, we obviously made some posts about this and, you know, talked about what was going on. And uh, a lot of you guys were in the comments uh, congratulating us. And we appreciate that. We thank you guys. It could not have happened truthfully without any of you guys. And and we we appreciate you like you don't even understand. It's amazing. So crazy and it's only gonna keep climbing from here and here and here and you know to to, to infinity and beyond, if you will. And and Sean had mentioned this in uh, the little pre-show, like the the back and forth that we have with a lot of the jig heads when we get things kind of kind of going right now. But I have it on good accord that a and I'm not gonna name this angler. But I do have it on very good accord that quite the accomplished ang- pro-, pro angler is aware of our podcast. And in fact, our podcast is quote unquote, not for them. <laughs> and, and for what it's worth, that is the biggest compliment I could receive as a podcaster. Just that it's, it's being heard. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to like Jigs and Bigs. You don't have to like Bobby Roast Beef. I'm okay with that. But just that you're aware of what we're doing means that we're causing a ripple on the surface. Things are happening. So for that, man, that's a win. I appreciate that. That is fantastic. You guys are amazing. Um, Before I dive into my week, I do want to talk about one thing from last week. And this is, again, like pulling the, 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 the sheet off of it to expose everything. Uh, last week, we had an FTG that came in uh, from a what we had assumed, obviously, was a, uh, a passenger on a commercial air flight to Cincinnati, Ohio. And they were calling out somebody for opening up a can of sardines on said airplane as the in-flight snack. Now, I could tell when we were playing this that you guys thought maybe something was up and that maybe, you know, this, of course, and we mentioned it, it was Adam Blomke who had uh, made a post and, and uh, we kind of back and forth in the comments and talked about FTG. And and I, I assumed after we, we had played this that you guys were both kind of thinking that like, oh, uh, you know, Adam probably like had somebody do that, or maybe that was Adam himself calling in that FTG on his own. And that something seemed kind of funny. And then Adam had, had DM'd last week and was like, dude, I had nothing to do with that. Oh my God. What the hell? I had everything to do with that guys. I had gone and I want to give a big shout out. Uh, so I had gone and, and looked into, um, uh, you know, I had had that conversation with with Adam on on Instagram, but I'm fairly certain that Adam doesn't follow us on inst on uh, Facebook, and our Facebook following like is insane. <laughs> it's there's a lot of you that follow us on Facebook, so I had made a post um, on Facebook. And it be, essentially what I was asking was, it, does anybody out there know if people from Ohio have an accent? Like, is that even a thing? Or, you know, what's 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 going on with it if, if it is? Does anybody have that kind of an accent? And I got a lot of comments back. Some people were just like, oh, yeah, you know, there's an accent. It, it, it all kind of depends on on where, you know, where you're from, really, like what the story is. And uh, where in the state, of course, because it varies. And... Uh, <laughs> We had, um, we had, uh, you know, I put this post up and I got a bunch of comments. People said, responded back saying things like, 
depends on where you are. It's kind of local. And I said, well, what about Cincinnati? We had a guy uh, named uh, John Hagens reach out. And uh, he said, uh, yeah, he goes, in that area, it's a little bit closer to like, uh, it borrows a little bit from northern Kentucky. And I said, all right, cool. That's awesome. I explained the whole deal. He called in and delivered solid gold on the FTG line. So, John, I appreciate you, dude. I, I, I appreciate that. It was fucking hilarious. And uh, I knew about this at Camp Hookset. I played this clip for Wild Bill. And he th just thought it was insane and, and loved it. But we had to do everything we could to keep Joe from knowing about it because I wanted you guys to have this like raw sort of reaction. And in a way, it kind of blew up in my face because you guys didn't buy it at all. You really didn't. But then Adam was like, what the fuck? Yeah, and it kind of, I felt pretty good about that. It was really good. So it was me, guys. I put the whole plan in, mo plan in motion, trying to add some more of that, that comedy to it. You know, it was just, it was it was really good. Um, nice little plot twist, Bobby. Yeah, a little bit of a plot twist. That's what I'm going for. A little M. Night Shyamalan ending to that <laughs> one. <laughs> I kind of feel like David Blaine here. Like, hmm, you know, like, what's he going to do? Uh, it's been an amazing week. O above and beyond that, that. 100k uh, milestone that we we cross this week i have fished my ass off guys i have gone out on a quest for uh crappie for perch for trout uh a bunch of different species that i've just been missing and i've been catching them i've been catching them uh if when i say mm, when i when i say them i'm talking bluegill i have been catching more bluegill than i've ever wanted in my entire life um it was ridiculous the the bluegill effort so let's go through the week as far as how my week looked um monday monday was a weird day um you guys might remember i i the week prior before i could really get out you know for uh, uh camp hook set i was doing prep for a wedding well that wedding was on monday um and it was amazing it was actually in joe's neck of the woods right near one of his favorite spots to fish and uh, the the actually the father of the groom was just like, oh yeah, you know, there's great pike in here, and I was like, I have heard, I have heard, um, you know. So the wedding was great; it was awesome. I wanted to get up bright and early on Tuesday and get out and do some fishing. So luckily, the wedding didn't run very late because it was a Monday night still. You know, and we had them on the dance floor all night long, which is great. But the wedding wrapped at like eight. I got home, got to bed nice and early. Jigglers slept like a baby. Woke up and went out to go fish a local spot, just trying to cross a couple of things off my list. I was going to a spot where I knew that there was a bowfin population, that we had trout that I've caught rock bass at, where I could, I, I've caught pickerel in the past. Um, these are all fish that I was just looking to pick up, basically anything that wasn't a bluegill, a largemouth, or a smallmouth. And I'll tell you, dude, Tuesday... Tuesday, I got on one of the best bass bites I've had this year over there. It was unbelievable. I caught, in total, I caught seven. Uh, the smallest of those uh, largemouth, they were all largemouth. The smallest one was about the size of my pinky. So small. Um, shook off and actually just swam right out through one of the scupper holes in my kayak. Um, the biggest one of the day came in at over 18, and Chrissy was actually... Uh, she was rolling when I went to go and measure it. So there's like third person footage of me, you know, measuring this stuff. And I'm like, what an absolute tank. Just, it was a great jig bite. It was fantastic. Um, that was great. So Tuesday, Tuesday, we killed it. Um, as far as largemouth go, I did put four out of those, uh, uh in the any five. 
Um, so at least there, again, Tuesday, check, point. Now I'm going from three points, three points? Yeah, three points to now four points. We go on the next day. I go up to uh, a spot with Sean the Fisherman, um, up the Shears, and uh, got there. I got there a little late that, later than I wanted. I think that morning, uh, my plan was to get up and drop my daughter at school and then just make a beeline for it. And my oldest daughter decided to drop uh, Delaney off, and I ended up sleeping till like 730 which is way later. I expected I was actually going to be arriving then. So I got a little bit later of a start than I had anticipated. So I go and uh, I head over to this spot. We launch the boats. Now, Sean had been previously on a, uh, a killer uh, pickerel bite, um, drop shotting a, uh, a particular uh, presentation. And uh, it, was, it seemed to be doing the job. And I had gone out and started doing similar. And um, I actually, I had modified that a little bit and started throwing it as a rig X. And uh, just to kind of double up on my opportunities and uh, I caught a shit ton of bluegill like a veritable shit ton in fact I had a pin winning fish and uh, I just took a selfie with it and chucked it because I was just like I'm like I, I'm not feeling it <laughs> let's just keep going so it was one of those things where it was just like cycling through bluegill and uh, as we we came back toward uh, up by the ramp because we both had stuff that we had to do in the afternoon uh, myself a little bit later than Sean. And I said, you know, I'm going to stick around and fish a little bit more. He's like, all right, yeah. He's like, I'll stick around a little bit longer too. And I decided instead of following this one sort of contour line that seemed to be the jam, at least for Sean, I was going to switch up presentations and go shallow and try and move things around, see if I could find and cover a little bit more area. So I go I go shallow and my second or third cast, I throw a, uh, a modified little like finesse, spinnerbait, uh, a beetle spin, basically, that I had kind of fooled around with. I, I fucked around and I found out because I managed to hook a bullhead right next to this little group of lily pads, um, little nine inch bullhead, but it counted a point. Check. Ding. Let's move on. I think we fished for what? Another 15 minutes or so, Sean? 20 minutes maybe after that? It wasn't much yeah, longer. I went and picked up. Uh, I called in an order to a pizza place on the way back yep. and snagged myself some 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 nibbles. Some nibbles. So yeah, I think it was about fifteen more minutes after the bullhead. Yeah. So we didn't fish too much longer. Loaded up, but again, okay. So we got a point on Tuesday. We got a point on Wednesday. That's a good thing. I went out and I did trivia that night. And when I got home, I was just beat. I was exhausted. So I decided I was just going to call Wednesday or not Wednesday Thursday and make it a. Uh, just kind of like a catch up on stuff and get it done day stuff that I needed that needed to make sure that I got done. I actually had uh, been asked by a local uh, Elks club that was organizing a, a family fun day event over this last weekend. If I could contribute uh, some type of a gift certificate for my services. And I said, you know what? I like you guys. You're, you're okay. Sons of bitches. I'll go ahead and do this. So we submitted that and uh, I had to, you know, there was some running around for that. I, uh, I also coming up later this segment, I got some details about the 200th episode coming up in January, and we're talking food because that's what we do at Jigs and Bix. We talk about filling our fat fucking faces. It's what we do. So that's coming up later, but I finally got some menu items to list as to what will be involved with this big event that we're planning. So that was a really good thing. I also, on Wednesday, something freaking cool happened, man, this week. 
So the week prior was my birthday, and my oldest daughter had asked me, she goes, Dad, what could I get you for your birthday that's not like a Bass Pro gift card? And I was like, if I'm being completely honest, kiddo, that would be it. <laughs> like, I don't want to send you on a mission finding something specific that I'm looking for or anything like that. I go, that's the easiest thing for you and the easiest thing for me. And she says, okay, great. So I had, uh, you know, she had given me this like last week and I was like, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Well, after she had given me this card, I was looking around. I had a, a guide break on my sort of one of my workhorse rods, my seven foot medium heavy. And uh, this guide was, it was causing some interference with the line. So I, I put a little tape around it for the time being so that I could use it. I am going to repair the guide, uh, but I've, I've been looking to get... Uh, a, a medium heavy fast in a little bit longer of a rod, like a seven foot one or seven to seven foot three, somewhere in that window. So I decided I would look around and uh, just see what was available at Bass Pro since I had this gift card to apply to it. And I noticed something. St. Croix's Mojo Bass and Bass X rods. Did you guys know that this year they're redoing the entire line? Yeah. So, Only because no. I actually think on Tackle Talk I heard about it. Yeah. That's the only reason that's why what it I was. Know. Yep. Same thing. That's how I found out about it. Well, that means all the old models are on clearance, like 20 or 30% off. It was sizable. So I went on, and this was actually full disclosure. I was doing this at cocktail hour at the wedding on my phone. Because I'm a seasoned professional and can man multitask and manage. So I, I go and I'm looking and I'm like, huh, it's a pretty good price. Okay, cool. If I can order this through the app and use this gift card, then I'm just going to pay off the difference. And, uh, and cool, there's my rod, you know? And the, the rod was in New Hampshire. It was uh, in Hookset, New Hampshire. And I'm like, okay, I'll just take a ride up there and go pick it up. And I was like, you know what? It's closer if I just go to East Hartford. Let me just have them ship it there. It's not going to cost me anything. It'll be fine. I thought I was going to have it in like 10 days. It showed up in two. It showed up in like two days. So the best part is this. I, you know, back when I took my trip to Tennessee with Paul, when my Lockwood fishing hat decided to go and sink into the uh, depths of, uh, of Chickamauga, I needed a hat. And my buddy and I were like, all right, let's go to, let's go to Bass Pro. We'll see what's, what's, what's there. And uh, we ended up going into Bass Pro and they got us at the door. They're like, hey, do you guys want a free hat? And I'm like, fuck yeah, I do. So I signed up for a Bass, uh, Bass Pro credit card, and uh, I got, you know, obviously enrolled into the club, so I'm earning points. I had more than enough points uh, to pay off the balance of that card, so I ended up walking out of Bass Pro with that St. Croix rod, costing me $0. Home run. Absolute home run. Um I did take a few casts with it on Friday. Uh, that was, you know, the, I mean, it wasn't the right bite, but I was like, I just want to take a few casts with this thing and see how it does. So far, I love it. I can't wait to get a fish on and see how it performs, you know, with a fish. Um, so the, anyway, that was Thursday. I go, I do trivia. Everything's great. Now, Friday... I haven't fished this body of water in a long time. And uh, myself, Chrissy, Sean the Fisherman, we met up at this body of water. Pretty sure that we uh, interrupted a homeless uh, camper um, that was at the launch, because that's what you do about launches. You know, you camp at them and, and uh, leave your laundry out to dry. I know, I know that this is not the situation, but that was the assumption we made upon arrival. 
No, there was some weird shit going on. There we was. don't. I don't know what the fuck. You see weird shit at lakes, and it Friday happens. was no exception. Friday was no exception. I had the best day I've ever had at Friday. What did I catch? 14, I think, was the total that I had caught that day. Um, most of these unbelievably small and very, very shallow. On Thursday, while I was running a bunch of errands, I did stop in because that curly tail grub on that little beetle spin that I had modified... It was, it was definitely doing the job, but it was just a little bit too large. I wanted specifically to find either like a two-inch fluke or a two-inch paddle tail swim bait, and I did. Guggen just released a series of crappie plastics, and I found essentially there's like the, a mini version of their saucy swimmer, and I said, oh, this would be perfect. I got the perfect jig heads for this. So I had been throwing this, and I caught all 14 of these fish on that one presentation. And I started with the biggest largemouth of my day, nice and early, real shallow. Uh, not real shallow. It was like seven feet of water, uh, but relatively shallow. And then uh, caught a smallmouth, a series of tiny largemouth. I managed to put a pickerel on the board. Check. That's a point for Friday. So now I'm up to six points, and I'm feeling great. I'm, I've still got a long way to go, but I've got a whole week to dive in, quite literally, and try and get this stuff done. And uh, you know, we'll we'll see we'll see what's what's happening. I got in total, I got what two small, no, three smallies, uh, the pickerel, um, two bluegill, and the rest were all largemouth. Um, it was a, it was a pretty decent day. It was actually the best numbers day I had ever done there. I've caught better quality fish there in the past. But this is the best numbers day I've ever had there, and I was stoked. So, again, so we've been slowly working on points there. But, man, I'll tell you, this month has just been a grind for me. Either I haven't had the time in order to be able to go out and fish enough, or I have had, you know, just shit luck while I'm out there, and I've just been too busy flipping through bluegill over and over and over and over and over again. That seems to be I just can't get away from them. It's ridiculous. So we're getting there. We're making it happen. We got a bullhead on the board. We got a pickerel on the board. We're on the board for the ND5. We've got our three other species previously. I'm I'm living life and uh, to to the fullest, and that's all good. Saturday didn't go out. Probably should have gone out early. Um, made the choice not to. I had a Jack and Jill to do that night, and then I needed to record an interview. And I I did. I recorded that interview uh, right after the Jack and Jill from my forerunner. In fact, you're going to hear that interview today. And then uh, afterwards, after all this had kind of come to completion, today was my off day. Um, and I had plans to meet at uh, my parents for a little uh, late birthday celebration, have some dinner. Um, my dad's been, uh, he's got this new like flat top griddle. Um, and he has just been like, yeah, I got to have you guys over to make smash burgers. It's going to be awesome. I was like, okay, cool. Let's do it. So that's what we did. We had a good time while I was there. I made plans to go and uh, take my dad fishing. We're going to go and hit Quabbin Reservoir on Friday. That's the plan. I'm going to take him out. We're going to get a boat, bring cooler, some sandwiches, a couple of cold pops, and, uh, we're going to catch him. That's the plan. We're going to try and catch him. My goal this week is to fish as many trout-stocked waters as possible so I can check that off my off my list as well. And, of course, you know, I'll be looking for those other oddball species that I'm looking for. And then, you know, Chrissy mentioned, mentioned carp, and, and I'm not against that. I'm not against that at all. So that was, that was essentially my week in a nutshell. It was, it was kind of crazy. Uh, Joe, how was your week this week? 
Yeah, so this week has been, I mean, I, I've been saying this last couple of weeks, but a ton of prepping. I've yep. been prepping for South Carolina like I actually have every single my, one of my rods sitting next to me right now. I pull them all out of the boat so I yep. can, you know, do maintenance to all of them, see if there's any that I don't want to bring on the trip or how I want to rig them. And because I've, I've actually been uh, I've been testing out new um new techniques I've never used before. Uh-huh. Um, so I've been just, you know, buying shit that I sh- shouldn't be buying, but I am and re-rigging everything and, you know, just, just doing that. But, uh, yeah, so I ended up getting out, ah, uh, shit, Thursday and Friday. Yep. I just went to local spot lash away, but, oh man, it was on fire the last couple of days. I yeah. mean, you know, nothing crazy. I think the biggest, my biggest was like three and a half pounds. Um, Man, they were chomping everywhere I went. I mean, and everything I threw, I was I was fish. There, there was one technique I wanted to try that I hadn't uh, that I plan on using down in South of Carolina, and uh, I'm not going to mention it now because I don't know who listens. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, I'll mention it after the fact. But um, yeah, so I was kind of testing that, and uh, I caught a couple fish on it. I was just trying to uh, dial it in, make sure I'm doing it right and whatnot. But. Uh, yeah, so I went in there. I uh, I was fishing some brush piles that uh, actually Jay Manning had put me onto that I didn't mm-hmm. realize were even in that lake. Um, I lost a nice one right at the boat, probably like a three off that brush pile. But uh, then I went over to uh, the dam there, and uh, they were just—I mm-hmm. mean, I saw them on live. They were just stacked up in there. It was like two after two and a half, oh, three, wow. two, another two and a half, like. It was just one after another, and I was uh, I was hitting them on a Nico rig. I was throwing in Nico rig in there, and uh, just smash. It was one after the other after the other, mm-hmm. and then um, from there, once the sun started to go down, I went to uh, the other side of the lake that I like, and uh, started uh, throwing out um, topwater baits, and they were just smashing that. Oh yeah, smashing them. Um, I mean, Jesus! It was like every other cast. I was, I was catching. I mean, catching something like a, a lot of, you know, a lot of cookie cutter fish, like smaller fish. But I, I mean, it was smallies, largemouth. They were just all smashing it. They were up there, yeah. And uh, yeah, so it was just a blast. You know, it was just, you know, it just you need those days. Yeah, I wasn't fishing for anything; just fishing to fish. Um, at that point, um, but yeah, it, it was just so fun. So I did that Thursday. Friday went back there, did the exact same thing. Cause I was, uh, I was tr- again, I'm trying, I was just trying to, uh, do some stuff. I, I rearranged the boat a little bit, um, mm-hmm. and the way I store things and whatnot. And, uh, so just kind of testing that out. I actually, I did, but I bought a new, uh, a new tournament scale as well. Oh, and, um, yeah. So I was, uh, I bought that new, uh, the Bubba, Bubba pro series scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just kind of testing that out a little bit and, uh, so I did the same thing. I went to that. I went to the dam. I checked out on those uh, brush piles. I didn't. I wasn't really seeing anything on live, so I didn't really bother. So I uh, yep. went right to that dam again. It was like it literally was a repeat of the night before. No the shit. Smashing. Yeah, yeah. I, I had put a couple uh, videos and pictures and stuff on Instagram uh, from those nights, but yeah, I, I uh, same thing. I literally did the exact same thing I'd done the night before, and I was still just catching a shit ton of fish. You know, in two, you know, in two and a half hours, I probably caught 
12, 15 fish both nights. That's the um, best, dude. Oh, uh, it really is. It really. You need just, that once in a while, you know. You, you really do. You really do because it, it just it it boosts that confidence up yep. a ton. Um, but yeah. So after that, I came home uh, Saturday. Yesterday was it Saturday? Yeah, yesterday I uh, morning I pulled out all the rods out of the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, got them stacked in here. I've been uh, I've been going at them. You know, a little bit working on them here and there. I'm also trying to get like, uh, obviously, I'm not gonna put everything I own into my fucking boat because you know yeah. my garage area is filled with shit. You know, and I just take it when I need it. So I'm trying to get together like what I want to actually bring down there. I'm gonna yep. put shit in a tote that I think I might need or want. Um, so I've been putting that together, um, and my boat's going down. I gotta go down to Rhode Island to JCS Marine tomorrow, drop off the boat, and they're gonna install that uh, um, that turret system for the uh, live scope. Oh, so yeah. it's independent of my uh, yeah. So just doing that. Um, that's pretty much it, man. Just you, just getting ready to head down there. Do you have time before you head down to fuck around with that a little bit beforehand and kind of get accustomed I will. to it? Yeah, I'll That's make sure good. I do. Yeah, nice. I, I uh, I'm hoping. I mean, it's tough because like I, I have tomorrow off and I'll be able to go down there. Yep. I don't know when I'm going to be able to pick it up. Yeah. And it's going to be tough to take any time off of work, any more time off oh, of work sure. than I already yeah, am yeah. for the tournament and whatnot. But uh, so I it mean, probably won't be till like the weekend. Yeah. But yeah, bad. no, I will make sure that I uh, that I I try to figure it the fuck out before I head down there. That's freaking awesome, dude. But at the same time, I do have three days to pre-fish down there, so that's we'll, the uh, other part too. Like, and yep. obviously, like you know, trying it out in that body of water, that's, sure. that's going to help too. Sure, sweet, yep. yep. So yeah, I'm pumped, man. It's not a bad thing. What happens? Not a bad thing at all. Now I know Sean the fisherman has had a week. And I got a lot of shit to talk about. You guys yep. all brace yourselves. Let's let's talk fishing first, seeing as we're in that MO. I got out actually four times this week. So I got out Wednesday with you, yep. um, where I did a, an absolute shit ton of drop shotting. Um, I did bump up my any five for the tournament all sorts of ways because between Sunday, which we talked about on last show, and Wednesday, I hit six chain pickerel over 20 inches. So that all got piled into that any five, except the one, the biggest one I got with you. Um I got a bad picture of, so I thought oh, I fired yeah, that thing back in the water and then saw the picture. Yeah, I saw the picture and said, I can't use this, and oh, well, fuck me. Um, did get a couple trout that day, too, so all I did was drop shot that that day up mm-hmm. in the up to shears, really, really, really deep, um, deep drop from, I mean, a couple places, it went from 6 to 25 in, you know, my, my arm span. Yeah, it was super short. And, uh, yeah, it was it was a straight drop, and I pulled a ton of fish. I pulled bluegills. I pulled uh, bluegills, trout, the trout, the chain pickerel. Didn't I get a perch or something too? I think I got. A I perch think you did. I think you got a perch too. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I caught any bass. That that lake is real tough with bass. Um, from there, the next morning, I went out with uh, with Chrissy Red Willowitz, who I'll talk about in a second. Chrissy, oh, yeah. Chrissy had a very exciting week. Um. Christy and I met up at another lake in the Shears. This one has a very healthy population of largemouth, smallmouth, and northerns. And uh, she got there a little late, unfortunately. She had a bit of a 
an emergency, but she had some some wackiness happening with her house, in particular the uh, the electrical feed and uh, the utilities. <laughs> so she got there a little later than I did, but I still got out. And uh, right as she was getting on the water, she just sent me a text saying, "Hey, I'm at the ramp. Which way are you at?" And I told her I got hit with a. I was running a chatterbait through some deep weed beds, and I mean running it through as in letting it sink. And it was. God, I was in 12 feet of water and I let that thing sink all the way to the bottom and the weeds were up, I think four feet from the surface. So I let it sink in eight feet of weeds and just yeah. ripped it through. And um, I got absolutely blasted by a 25 inch pike. Why would I mention this? It's only a 25 incher because that fucking thing went airborne like a smallmouth, And that, I mean, a pike that big, you get over two feet with a pike. They don't do that that often. <laughs> and this one did. And I went, oh shit. <laughs> So I it's got like him rocket. in. That went in. Yeah, that went into the NE5. So that was fun. Um, did get a white perch that day too. So I, I bumped that up, but doesn't really mean much. Just an extra mm-hmm. inch or two. Uh, Chrissy and I had a good time on the water. That was fun. And then we uh, we made a stop uh, that we're not. I'm not going to mention today. A little teaser here. We stopped at a retail store yes. on the way on the way home, and uh, I, I think Sean the fisherman made some new friends for jigs and bigs. We, That's good. We'll see what happens with that. I like yeah, that. it was it was fun. Yeah. Um, not a From dispensary. There, no, it was not a yeah, dispensary. Yeah, not a dispensary, no. No. The, uh, the the final weekday trip was on Friday with you and Chrissy up to a smaller body of water. Good multi-species mm-hmm. um, pond, shall we call it. And um, it has a population of smallmouth, <laughs> which is kind of wacky because of the density of the weeds in this place. Yeah. And... We had you and I had an interesting interaction. I feel when we first got out there because um, I got there what twenty minutes before you. I was just getting loaded in when you got to the ramp, yep. right? I think. Yep. And you you backed down and uh, got the boat in the water, and I had gotten out there, and I think my first or second cast, I, I noticed the the water was complete glass on one side of the lake. There was yep. no wind. It was nothing. Um, the weeds were up, but not to the surface in most areas. I mean, there you could see a, a lily pad or two scattered about, but it wasn't it wasn't thick up top. Yeah, and uh, I've that's there is no better time, I feel, than to throw a floating Rapala in that scenario. It's just it's perfect. Um, you throw it out there, you don't even have to work it at first. Let the circles disappear. That is the the equivalent of throwing it, in my opinion, a buzzbait or a whopper plopper in windy conditions. It just, if you throw a buzz bait or a prop, any sort of prop bait, Mm -hmm. buzz bait, whopper plopper, whatever, if you throw that with the wind and bring it back against the wind, the wake that thing makes draws so much attention. And so, you know, conversely in, in dead, silent, glassy water, if you throw a floating Rapala out and just let it sit there, the rings just go for 15, 20 feet before they dissipate. And it's just like, it's like a big bullseye and your lure sitting right in the middle of it. And I got absolutely smoked as I was bringing it back in. I, I do a twitch, you know, a twitch sit method. So I'll mm-hmm. jerk the thing a couple times. It'll go under, it'll come back up, let it sit for a couple seconds. And I vary it. It's a, it's a random twitch, like one, three, one, one, three, two. I just, I do all sorts of wacky shit with it. And it got absolutely blasted by my biggest fish of the day, which was a uh, just shy of 17 inch smallmouth, and again, this this lake is so weird where there's yeah. so much there's so much foliage and there's just smallmouth, and they're big. Um, so I got that in before you got in the water. And right when you got in the water, you you had said, "What is leading you to do this?" And I was like, "See how this <laughs> side of the lake is like yeah. glass, and the other side is windy." 
I take advantage of that glassy surface with floating Rapalas every chance I get, especially if there's weeds close to the surface. The fish have somewhere to hide, and they can go up a little higher and and take shots at stuff on the surface. Um, and as we were talking, I threw my lure out again, was letting it sit. And I'm like, yeah, I see how it's glassy over here and it's windy over there. And my lure got bang yeah. annihilated before I even moved it by a, a what was it, 15 inch largemouth, I think. So, yep. um, yeah, it was fun. I mean, I, I'm currently on, and it happened today again. I am currently on crappie hunt. We can all, for long term, long time listeners, you guys all remember a couple of years ago, I was in a tournament for one of these monthly multi species. And I did everything uh, short of selling my soul to the devil for a bluegill in November that didn't happen, and I came in second on the tournament. This one, the current Jigs and Bigs, I'm sitting now after today in second by a point. I can't catch a crappie if I were to sell my soul to Satan himself. I can't do it. I can't. I, I, I'm getting bluegills. I'm getting perch. I'm getting small pickerel. I'm getting tons of bass. I am trying for crappie, and it's killing me. So I went through my records last night to see mm -hmm. where... I've picked up crappie in the past and the, my best crappie body of water through, you know, reports from friends is completely overgrown and I can't fish it. Like it's bad. So I'm now going to my alternatives and I'm just cycling through them this week, hoping yeah. for a crappie. I don't think I'm going to get to to catfish at all, but uh, well, I'm, I'm your crappie guy for the week. That's what I'm doing. Uh, which led we'll me talk, to today. Sean. We'll talk, Sean. Huh? I got a spot for you. We'll talk. After okay. Break. All right. Good. Thank you, Joe. All right. See, I, it's nice to have friends. Um, so today I I had a couple hours. Uh, unfortunately, one of my kids was uh, sick today. I had to call out of work. And um, I said, well, good. I don't have to pick you up now. I'm going fishing before I have to record. There you go. And I went out in the, <laughs> I went out in the storm <laughs> in a pair of shorts and a shirt. I was fine. I, I wasn't bothered by the cold. When I got soaked, then I said, ah, now I got to soak my car seat on the way back. That's going to suck. That so sucks. I kind of called it quits after a couple hours. But again, just another day of knocking in a dozen plus fish, yep. drop shotting and lipless crankbaits and no crappie. I was every fish. I'm going, please be a crappie. Please be a crappie. And I've caught a ton of crappie that, at this one lake. Mm -hmm. Actually, it was Congamon Jr. Um, I couldn't even get to the back end of it because of the wind. The wind yeah. did pick up. And I said, well, I'm not going to mess with that. But um. I mean, successful day fishing, not a successful day for crappie. For, so. Yeah. And I'm in the same boat, man. That's one of the species that I need. And unfortunately, got you know what? According to my records, my best crappie spot is a spot that I can only bank fish. And I have caught them with such inconsistency that it's so random. It's so hard to find any kind of a pattern. But I'm debating making a stop and just yep. throwing presentations that I think might get the job done. You know, you got to do what you got to do. You got a week to do it, man. Fuck. You know, ass. So that was my fishing for the week. I, I actually, um, I have a week where I am the sole parent parent. My wife is, uh, is traveling a little bit this week. So, uh, I'm going to be getting out while the kids are at school, drop them off and I'm going and, uh, and doing, uh, doing what I got to do. Chrissy, Tried twice. Chrissy we were, said, we were there. Us, yeah. yeah, we were there. We tried. I was. We were I was there. hoping they are not always. So Chrissy's Chrissy brings up 
where we fished. Uh, I think I mentioned this on the show, so I don't mind. Yeah. Um, we went up to Stockbridge Bowl. Stockbridge Bowl is great for multi-species. You can get out of there with six species if you get a bass. The bass are yeah. just ridiculous. That, they're tough. They're tough. And yeah, Stockbridge tough. Bowl is like what the old like Wendy's buffet was in the 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 mid eighties. You know what I mean? I yeah. know some of you guys are too too young to fucking even know what we're talking about. But yeah, Wendy's used to have a little salad bar yep. with all kinds of stuff, you know? So Chrissy is telling us some some great information, which would have been great to know this week. I can't go back up there. I don't have the time. But Chrissy- I'll so be there, Chrissy. When I went there in the spring, I caught a ton of crappie, and I saw them spread all over the lake. It wasn't yeah. one spot. They were everywhere. And I did catch a couple of them up against uh, a tree. The problem with Stockbridge Bowl right now is going until you get to, what, 12 to 15 feet, it's there's weeds. a wall of weeds. Yeah. A wall of weeds. So you, I've been I've been fishing the weed bed on the outside, hoping there's a school floating by or whatever. Um, Adam, Adam Blomke says, the Wendy's garlic bread absolutely slapped. <laughs> Bravo, sir. Bravo. You know what it, it does pair really well with? What? Sardines and Louisiana hot sauce. On a plane, I heard. On a plane. Um, continuing on, uh, I want to jump in. Well, we'll talk about that later. We'll save that for segment three. But uh, the boats. So I've been really stretching my legs, so to speak, with the uh, the native uh, Ultimate uh, Propel. And <laughs> it, like you saw me the other day, I'm like I'm like a pig in shit, oh, yeah. man. I'm just like this is this this boat was meant for me. So I've been. Uh, I've been zipping around on those things, just throwing and going, and it's been great. Um, I do want, I'm just going through my list here, guys, so yeah. bear with me. This might get boring. I do want to make a, Chris, a quick shout out uh, before we get into some other stuff. The Biggie is still going on for another week. Our buddies at Nor'easter are there in the Better uh, the better Living Building. If you're going to the Biggie, if you're in New England, and you're going to that fair um, to, well, to eat a bunch of food, drink a bunch of beer, watch a bunch of debauchery and insanity and buy some shit you don't need. Well, buy some shit you might need. Go over to Nor'easter. They're in the Better Living Building. Say hi to John and Mary Lou. And uh, their buddy Jim is working with them too. Say hi. Tell them Jigs a Big sent you. Yep. Do your thing. The Better Living Great. Building is pretty centrally located. Just look around for it. It says Better Living Center right on it. Exactly. Yep. Now, I mentioned Chrissy several times. We got a, yes. we got a little bit of a... Uh, Bobby, get that applause ready. Oh, finger on the trigger, buddy. <clears throat> the, the applause or my favorite sound effect. My favorite sound effect might be more appropriate. Yeah, you think yeah, so? Me, I me agree. Too. Yeah. So when we met Chrissy last year, Chrissy was just jumping into the competitive scene. And when people do that, you can see, you either see discouragement and they quit or you see growth. What we've seen from Chrissy over two years was, you know, Nelson and I kind of chit-chatted about it, like insane growth yeah. and learning. Oh, yeah. Chrissy had a big tournament on Saturday and she popped in a second place. Oh. Congratulations, Chrissy. Great job. It's fucking fantastic. Great, now, great job. I believe this is Chrissy's first foray into winning any money in a tournament. That I don't know. We'd have to ask her. She's on yeah. here. She can respond she is. to us. So go ahead. Let yep. us know, Chrissy, if that's the situation. But, but fantastic job. Excellent and, job. And, yeah. You know, I was kind of watching the scoreboard on Saturday just to see how she was doing. She and I talked a little strategy. And then she she sends me a a text with like a copy of the scoreboard, a cut and paste or a screenshot of it. And it, it just says, dude. And it's like 
10 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And my response was, Chrissy, we live in fucking New England. You know better than to do that shit. Do not jinx yourself. I don't want to see any more scoreboards for the rest of the day. And uh, she uh, she kind of calmed down. She said, oh, God, I put all my fish up on the scoreboard. People are coming at me now to fish around my area. I'm like, you tell those fucking scoreboard-looking bastards to find their own goddamn fish. Yeah. And she thought that was funny. And then I didn't hear any more for the rest of the day. She bounced down to, like, fourth. Because Nelson jumped up, I think, to third with a – Nelson put in a six-and-a-half-pound largemouth. I heard about that. Yeah. 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 And um, she bounced down. But then uh, I didn't check the scoreboard until, like, five minutes left. And I look, and Chrissy's in second. She had gotten, I think, one or two more fish within the last hour and just killed it. And um, great, great job, Chrissy. We're proud of you. We are You've very shown proud. growth yeah. and learning. Keep, the, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And um, – and you kicked ass. Great she job. Says she was in sixth at one point and had to fish her ass off. I believe it. It's hardcore. You know, can just only imagine to, just, what it sounded like on the lake there. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck. Shit. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, you nasty. You nasty. <laughs> can only imagine. For- I love fishing with Chrissy. She's a riot. Yeah. Just for just for shits and grins, just to show you where she, what kind of. <laughs> what kind of animals she was fishing with. Andrew Heath was first. Chrissy yep. was second. Multi Jerry Multihouse was Jerry. third and Nelson yeah. was fourth. So Chrissy. She Chrissy, hung with the Chrissy big dogs. With, yeah. She ran with the big dogs she on did. Saturday. So, yeah. Great job. Great job. <laughs> and she told me she actually listened to me, which was great. She said she found fish and didn't leave them until an hour and a half went by without a bite. And then her internal clock told her to move. And that's when she got her last one. So great, great job. You know, obviously, I, I, she told me that, and I said, "So that means you're splitting the money with me because I gave you that advice." And she said, "Ha ha ha, no." So I tried. Um, <laughs> That's freaking awesome, man. Yeah, we're uh, we're all very proud. We're all very proud. So, um, moving on, we have uh, we have some tourney talk here, but not the current tourney. I want to talk yep. about next month's tourney first. Um, Bobby, I know you didn't get a chance. You had your hands full with events and shit this week. Oh, yeah. We, di- we did get the October Jigs and Bigs tournament up. It has a facelift, folks. It looks completely different. Uh, I got to work on my Canva, and I was learning some Canva. And I also learned, and I am not kidding you, I also learned a program called GIMP, which helped me blend pictures together. Yes, it was GIMP. Mm, that's right. So... Go on to Fishing Chaos, type in jigs and bigs, jigs, bigs, whatever. Type in both of them. Type in a keyword for us. We're on there. We're a nationwide tournament. Uh, the new rules are in effect just like this month, which we kind of didn't realize when mm-hmm. <laughs> we started the tournament, but things happen. Um, so I hope uh, I hope everybody jumps in for the last month of fishing. We're not going to do one in November. We've learned our lesson. Nobody gets out. It's fucking cold and Thanksgiving-y. Um, but the new rules are in effect. One point per species. Uh, tiebreaker is going to be total length. Uh, we hope everybody can can join in. Again, it's from it's anywhere. So if you want to mm-hmm. fish private waters, as long as you're doing it legally and you're not yeah. fucking breaking into somebody's, you know, you're not you're not trespassing. Go ahead and do it. Um, you go to jail. We want people, it's up to you. Yeah, and the impetus behind that was when I really thought about it. If if you have a place to fish, and it's Uncle Frank's cabin in the woods, and it's private property. I seriously That's doubt right. Uncle Frank's going to have, yeah, I seriously doubt Uncle Frank is going to have 
all 22 species in his body of water. So if you're just saving gas and getting that bass and that pickerel and that bass and that, that crappie and that bluegill out of that pond, none of us care. It doesn't matter. This isn't, this isn't life-changing money. If you're going to try and pull a fast one for a tournament that might pay out $150 to $200, congratulations and you're a piece of shit. I don't know what to tell you. But please go out and fish. Enjoy it. Use the private waters if you want. Um, jump in for the October. It's going to be a preview for next year. Um, you want to fish Uncle Frank's private waters? Go get your Uncle Frank a cold Coors banquet and come sit on his lap. That's the price you have to pay to pay you to, to fish private waters. The views of Bobby Rose Beef <laughs> do not reflect that of the Jigs and Big staff. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That went real dark. Why? I'm a fucking degenerate. Yes, you are. How bad Finally, do you want to fish Uncle Frank's waters? Oh, my God. I don't. I don't. Joe's I don't. disgusted. He's writing a letter of resignation as we speak. He's like, I know. What the fuck this, is wrong with You guys with are gross. <laughs> no, uh, no it, wait, wait. Not you no, guys. Core's no. banquet is gross. <laughs> no, Bobby's gross. I had nothing Bobby's to do gross. with any of this. I took. I said Uncle Frank. He ran with it or sat on it. Whatever he did, touched it. Um, touched it. <laughs> tickled it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, Chrissy is also. Before I move on here, Chrissy's also um, throwing it out there. Uh, Nelson during that tournament. Uh, Got uh, angler of angler of the year for his division. So congrats to Nelson. So Bobby's lighting a crack pipe. All right. (laughs) So congrats to Nelson on that. That's two years in a row. Good for him. Um, I'm proud of him. Kicked ass. And uh, it's quite the accomplishment. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, Now getting away from from Uncle Frank and Bobby's crack pipe. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Stay tuned current- for the next Jigs and Bigs for Bobby Roast Beef's intervention. <laughs> Bobby, we are concerned you have a hot dog problem. <laughs> That's right. Let's talk about this month's leaderboard as I'm now yeah. currently depressed by seeing it. So this tournament, again, has four spots paying out. One, two, is it four? It is four. Yeah, it's four, I think. Four, four. I thought it was four. Am I right on that? Yeah, I think you're right. That's what we said last week. And Did there's we, no new no new uh, registrations. So. Yeah, yeah, 1 to 10 is 2. Yep, no, no, that's 4. Yep, to 11 to 20 is 3. And 21 to 30 is 4. Good, yep. okay. So we have four spots paying out. So I'll just go top four. No, you know what? I'll do, we got a shit show going we on. We got, got bottom, a ton of ties bottom, too, yeah. Bottom half of the top 10 is just a mess. But this is all within striking distance. So we got Steve Galloway, John Hagen's, Bobby Roast Beef, uh, the the nephew of Frank, Cheryl Bentley and Thomas Monahan, all with six points. You guys are all within striking distance. By himself, just out of the money, with seven mm-hmm. points, is Mr. Binya, Binya Outdoors. In the money, tied right now. Let's see who the tiebreaker is. The tiebreaker is, okay. So in, in fourth place, due to the tiebreaker with eight points, is Chrissy. In third place, winning the tiebreaker with eight points is Nelson. I'm by myself in second with nine points, and Tim Bean has 10 points, leading the pack. And God damn, I hope I get a crappie. That's Sorry, insane, Tim. Dude. I, I, I got to get on that fucking crappie. I just man. thought of a good crappie hole. I bet you did, yeah. Uncle Franks. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I just I – I had a conversation with actually one of, the, uh, one of the contestants in this month's tournament 
about uh, a, a spot with pretty decent crappie, and I'm I'm wondering if it's maybe what Joe's going to suggest to you because it's in that area. Well, we're, Joe's going to talk to us about that in between segments. So yeah. if you want to know where Joe's crappie I, I, I'm, is, I'm curious. Yeah, be a patron. I've taken, patron. I've taken two two pin crappie out of there this season. Two pin well, crappie out of Joe's yeah. own personal crappie hole. All right. Well, I got I got one crappie out of one of my holes on on Friday, yeah. and uh, and and it, 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 that was that was last year when I get that pin one. Last year, the year before, whatever. Never gotten a pin for a crappie. Uh, I've eaten so. a good amount of crappie though. I have to. They're they're really tasty. Yeah. So I love it. That's that, Bobby. What uh, we have something to talk about the end of segment one here. That's pretty neat. It has to do with food. We do. It has to do with two hundredth episode. Yeah. So I don't know if you guys have noticed, but uh, we're getting real close to our two hundredth episode, and we carved out a weekend to kind of celebrate said occurrence. Now that weekend is, uh, well, the, I should say the event is all going down on Saturday, the 13th of January, 2024. Uh, we are planning another live show, uh, except what's going to be different about this live show versus our 100th episode, which seems like it was just yesterday, but it was in fact quite some time ago. Uh, the thing that makes that so special is that in with this this show here, number one, um, we're making it a fundraiser to raise money for a different organization this time. This time we're raising money for Veterans Inc., which is pretty freaking phenomenal. So it's a great organization um, helping vets that are in need of all types of assistance. Um, Sean can speak a little bit more to that. And actually, we're going to have some folks from Veterans Inc. come on and uh, kind of discuss a little bit of like what, what they do for the community and everything. And kind of especially how the outdoors kind of plays a role, because I think that it does play a role. And uh, so that's that's one element. Right. But the other element is this. We're making this a game dinner. And I've always wanted to organize a game dinner for the podcast. I thought it would be cool. So Munich House is the, the venue where this is all going down. They offer uh, game dinners that they put on themselves a handful of times through the year. And I had uh, reached out. I had been kind of playing phone tag with uh, Michelle. Michelle has been great over at the Munich House. Absolutely awesome. And she had sent an email out to us, but she she actually had misspelled the uh, the email address. She included a couple of two, two extra G's in our email address. So the menu that she had shipped over to us with all the stuff had uh, had never shown up. So I, I reached out to her today. I was like, you know, Michelle, we, we're getting out of crunch time. Like, I got to start promoting. I said, did you ever send the menu? She's like, I, yeah, I did. I did. You know, let me double check. And she goes, what's the email address? And I told her. She was like, okay, it should be coming to you now. And I got it. But here's what you can look forward to, like, slamming into your gullet at... This unbelievable event happening in January, the 13th, um, the dinner will start out with uh, some various appetizers and uh, lighter fare. Um, they've got listed chips and dip. Now, some folks are thinking, oh, what are they going to bust out the Frito-Lay French onion and, you know, a couple bags of chips? No, 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 no. These are house-made chips with their own it's almost like a riff on pub cheese, really. It's so good. Um, I have gone in there multiple times just to have a couple of beers and snack on this, and it is great. Uh, there's going to be a cracker and cheese uh, spread going on. We've got a game liver plate, which some folks might not necessarily be down with that. A lot of folks don't like the organ meats, but you know what? I'll tell you what. Bobby Rose Beef likes the organ meats a lot. 
Uh, we've got a cucumber salad, a bean salad, coleslaw, as well as marinated squid and shrimp. Okay, we've got on our carving station what's available. Venison, elk, bison, kangaroo, mate, and alligator. Now, of course, all of this is going to depend on what's available on specifically at the time that's there. But these are the options that are laid out before us. As far as the buffet is concerned, we've got wild turkey, venison kebabs, game stew, game sausages, and smoked game sausages, alligator, uh, chicken alligator sausages, fried alligator, rabbit stew, Spetzel. Munich House is a German restaurant. Spetzel, of course. Don't skimp on the Spetzel. Uh, oven roasted potatoes, red cabbage, sauerkraut, game meatballs, and what I'm most looking forward to, roasted wild boar. Yes. Ooh. Yeah. It's going to be good. This might be one of those things where you might want to do some intermittent fasting beforehand to make sure that you can uh, take all of the goodness in and at least sample a little bit of everything. Maybe wear something with an elastic waist. You know? It, you know, you know, Bobby, if these people don't... A- after you announcing that, it being mm-hmm. our 200th show, if you listen to the show and you don't come and you have the, you know, you're within range and you don't come... You're kind of an asshole. You're kind of a. You're. It's almost as if you got on a fucking plane in Cincinnati and cracked open a can of sardines. You're <laughs> almost right. as big of an asshole. You know kind what I mean? Kind of an asshole a little bit. It's. I mean, it's. It's. This is going to be amazing. It's a great cause. We're going to do. Uh, we're going to. We're going to have a raffle as well. So there's all kinds of great prizes that we're going to have um, laid out for. We got to get cracking on that too. Um, luckily, yeah. I'm. I'm kind of already in that mode working on it so we got to work on dialing it in getting some prizes together and so that you're gonna have an opportunity to win some amazing shit you're gonna have all kinds of different stuff you're gonna have this unbelievable buffet that goes i would say a click or two beyond your fucking chicken tendies and applesauce jesus christ it's gonna be good it's gonna be so good munich house doesn't play around it's it's out of this world oh wow <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come from? I've had it for a minute. Had it for a minute. Wow. That's fancy, dude. Oh, there's raffle number one. I love it. (laughs) That's fucking crazy, man. It's still the fucking plastic. That's what I'm saying. That is like classic right there. Bobby, can can I tell the folks what we came up with for the three? We're not going to say the prices, but the three lengths of tickets. We we all been to raffles, whether it's at a... Bachelor party at Jack and Jill. For those of us in Western Massachusetts, we know mm-hmm. what a Jack and Jill is, and some some parts out, but for the most part, Western Mass or a Buck and Doe. You buy, yeah, Buck and Doe, all that shit. Um, we're going to be selling raffle tickets, but not by individual tickets. No, we're going to be selling them by three lengths. Yep, we're going to measure Bobby's waist with mm-hmm. raffle tickets. That will be length number one. My height will be length number two. Joe's love for America will be length number three. <laughs> <laughs> and remember freedom isn't free freedom it is, is not, not free it is not free <laughs> but you yeah. could win some fabulous prizes with that freedom <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean you could this is gonna be fucking awesome this is gonna this, be amazing we're, we're, we're gonna i mean last year i mean obviously i was there with you guys just not in the host you know now it's a whole uh, other animal but, but oh dude we're gonna one up last year it's it's only gonna get better it was last year, huh? Jeez. So has flown. Adam, we're getting old. Adam Blomicky posts and he says, uh, what time is this shindig going to kick off? 
So the plan is we still have to, you know, we're going to obviously get tickets available and stuff. we got to come up with the exact idea of a timeline. I'm thinking in the ballpark of 6 p.m., 7 p.m., something like that. Um, ideally, uh, Joe got drunk and did some eBay shopping, didn't he? So, oh, my God. So that's pretty funny. So Adam Blomicky just said Joe got drunk and did some eBay shopping, didn't he? From what I'm not going to say, we're not going to say what I just showed up on the camera. Yep. But I will show this. This was my last eBay purchase when I had a couple drinks. Oh, that's the biggest dildo I've ever seen. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> is Full that box of. Because I, I do, I don't admit it much, but I do like some net bait stuff. Sure, well, but, clearly, uh, wow, yeah, yeah. It's it's more, more than, than I'll more ever than ever use because it's, you know I my they're not my top baits by any means. Sure. So I was like, oh, this is a good fucking deal. That's Click. exactly what it is. It's the deal. I'll probably use there's there's probably about thirty five bags in there. I'll probably use maybe two. Of them. That's always hey, Jonas. Joe, yeah. Joe, can I can I tell you a secret that's gonna make you feel real good? Yes. I love their pocket cross. Oh my god, I have some in there, Sean. Maybe we should we should talk. <laughs> we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what an amazing it, it, it has been a great week overall. I think for yes. everything. Like we're checking checking boxes. We're like we're making moving stuff along. It's like we're we're crossing milestones. It's it's bananas. And with you know what the best part is about this 200th episode celebration is that Munich House is just as stoked to have us there because they're like, we've never done anything like this. And I'm like, I don't know if you are ready to deal with the Jigs and Bigs audience. I'm not sure. Every, everything's going to be fine. It's, it's going to be fine. It's going to be until, until it's we not. Get, until until it's we get... Not. Until we get word that Cody and Scuba Steve are coming yeah. up, and then we have to have a talk with Munich House and say, "Okay, do you guys have, do you guys have guard dogs? Do you and, have tasers and do security? You have sedatives? Yeah, there security. will be have- there will be a game liver plate. Uh, we'll just we'll give that over to Cody's table, and it will it will tame the beast. I promise." All right. I promise. I know that man loves the organ meats. Um, speaking of organ meats, not these aren't meats at all. They're they're actually synthetic. I saw a reel. That inspired another challenge at trivia, and there's only some of you listeners that are going to understand what the what what I'm saying, the words that come out of my mouth here. But I am in need of another Daryl. That's not too difficult to get a hold of. No, it's not. It's really not. But it's not something I want to go out and buy in person. I need somebody to. I know I can do this on the internet, but at the same time, it's for a the ring toss. Forever. It's for a ring toss. Oh, hey, I saw that. Didn't you send that to me? I did. Yeah, that yeah. looks cool. Good. That'd be a great little Funny. challenge, right? Yeah, we'll that's do a good little shit. ring toss. Put this on here. So, I'm just going to go ahead and throw this out there. I, I, I've never talked to you guys about this, and I'm not going to talk to it on air uh, about it on air because it's just that fucking wild. We're recording but right now. Just I, I know, no, no, I, know I know, I know. So I'm just going to say I, I've I've only been to one like game dinner, like legit. Oh, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was fucking. It, it was at like some fishing game club. I was like 16, okay. maybe 17, with yep. my dad. And I'm going to off the air. I'm going to tell you guys the kind of fucking shit that was going on this thing. I was like, I don't know if I can ever go to one of these ever again. I think this is a different animal. 
It, oh, oh, it is. Yeah. This is just like I, I gotta tell you. I, I, it just reminded me. And like, I gotta tell you guys a story. You're gonna be like, Jesus. Okay. Christ. All right. <laughs> you know, just a. I think the cap off segment one here, Bobby. I sent you a message when I was driving home from one of the two trips this this week. Yep. I was going back and forth uh, with my voice to text while I was driving with with Cheryl, obviously the author of our fishing report. Her fishing report. We feed her the info. She pumps it out. Uh huh. And the Northeast Wild Woman Fishing Report. I shouldn't say it. it's it's really ours. Northeast Wild Woman slash Jigs and Bigs, whatever the hell it is. Cheryl yep. writes it. And um she had said that there was a place That's that her right. mom was a was a police officer at. That's right. And has and has plenty of stories about with wacky fishing bullshit and shit going on around this lake. And my reply to her on the text, on the talk to text was. That sounds like some stories for Jigs and Bigs. Exclamation point. What my text read back, what my car read back to me was, that sounds like a story for drugs and dicks. <laughs> and the rest of the message that I had said to Cheryl, she might have taken, you know, some umbrage at what was what was what was coming back at her there and I had to cancel that message, laugh my ass off and then you know, give her a call back and say, hey, I was going to type you this message and my talk to text decided to make things really awkward. <laughs> Button hooked you. But going forward, I, I I don't think that's a bad marketing plan that we are drugs and dicks. If I the fishing it, yeah. thing ever goes away, you know. We'll bust we out can, with drugs and dicks. Drugs and dicks. Drugs and dicks. Welcome to drugs and dicks. A handful and a mouthful. Dicks on drugs. <laughs> god damn it. Yeah. Oh my so, god. I am now going to be down the IG office. Sean knows what I mean. Yep. Have fun with that, dude. I'm I'm out, so I don't care. I, I can, they'll call me <laughs> and I'll be like, you ain't the boss of me. I'm in sanctuary. I don't give a fuck either. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Oh, I think that's a perfect little cap right there on the end of segment number one. But when we get back, guys, we ha we do have a Just the Tip segment this week that you're not going to want to miss. That's coming up. Sean's got some great knowledge to kind of share with you guys. Uh, we do have uh, a couple of little FTG details for you. Joe's got something in FTG. We got a phone call from Binia uh, from last week that we're going to get on the, on the show. <clears throat> and then our, our number one favorite baits that we've been using recently uh, that's in bait of the week. And then we're going to send bait of the week away and bring back year of the week. Hey, Hey, can I, can I, can I ask you something, Bobby, for the you, first time in what, what episode is this? 185, 185. Yeah. Can I ask something? Sure. Can I, can I do the segue to the break? You can do the segue for the break. Should I do it in smooth jazz voice or wacky or wacky oh, radio guy voice? Cause he's completely shit. unpopular. Wacky radio guy is very unpopular. I say we go. I'll go with smooth jazz. Okay, smooth jazz. All right, are we ready? Can I, I'm ready. Do I need a countdown. You don't need a countdown. Roll in one, two, three, one, two, three. All right, we'll be back after this break on drugs and dicks. We'll catch you cats in a minute. Hey, you. Yeah, you. 
the one with the impeccable taste in fishing podcasts. Bobby Roast Beef here with a little call to action for all Jigs and Bigs listeners. We're opening up our hotline to you. Now you can call us to sound off about almost anything at 413-324-8519. Want to submit someone for our FTG segment? Call us at 413-324-8519. Care to maybe suggest a topic for just the tip or bait of the week? Call us at 413-324-8519. Maybe you just want to give us or anyone else a little shout out on the show, or you want to suggest a guest for the beef seat. You guessed it. Call us at 413-324-8519. The Jigs and Bigs hotline is there for you to leave a message with us 24-7. Just call 413-324-8519. Also, you can check that number in the notes of this podcast. Jigs and Bigs wants to take a moment to say thank you to our partners for helping us continue to push the limits of our fishing adventures and bring you amazing long-form content. We're excited to offer Jigs and Bigs listeners a 15% off savings on your first installment of a month-to-month subscription to Dark Horse Tackle. Dark Horse Tackle provides a monthly supply of small batch, craft, and custom lures, allowing anglers to try some otherwise tough-to-discover baits. This is stuff you're not going to find just anywhere, and Dark Horse Tackle does the hard part for you. They track down these small companies and then test the baits to determine if they're good enough for the DHT community. Subscribe now at darkhorsetackle.com and use the promo code JIGSANDBIGS15 for your 15% off savings now. For all your premium kayak needs, we partner with Three Bells Outfitters. Located along Smith Cove in Niantic, Connecticut, Three Bells is your go-to location for kayaks and accessories by Hobie, Native, Bonafide, Jackson, Yak Attack, Nakwa, Boondog, Burley Pro, and much, much more. Financing and options are available to upgrade your kayak fishing experience. White Glove Delivery Service is also available. Visit 3bellsoutfitters.com for more info and don't forget to tell them that Jigs and Bigs sent you. When it comes to high-quality polarized sunglasses, we've partnered with Torej. They provide stylish sunglasses in a variety of frames that are light and fit comfortably on your face. The polarization cuts glare and allows you to see the whole picture, helping you identify what's below the water's surface. They have a 60-day risk-free trial, a lifetime warranty, and free shipping. Plus, you can save yourself 10% off with the code JIGSANDBIGS10 at checkout. Visit TOREDGE.com to check out their selection and lens options. Again, we cannot thank our partners enough for their support. Please consider supporting them and supporting the show in the same process. Bobby and Sean now have a special presentation for us all. They'd like to give everyone just the tip. We're bringing the tips. <laughs> tips of flailing. And it's back. Yes, it is. I got a tip for everybody today. So as we know, I am uh, I'm getting into the more and more as this year gotten into the drop shot game. Um, what I want to let everybody know is if you've got a spot that may not have paid off with any techniques that you've tried, and then you learn something new, make it a point yeah. to go back to a spot that you might not have caught in any, you know, big fish or numbers and see if this new technique can be applied there. If, you know, if it can, obviously, if you're learning a drop shot and you haven't had any luck at a, a swamp, 
maybe that's yeah. not the way to go. But if if your te- your new technique can be applied at different places, go back to places you've given up on and try it out and see if you can get different results than what you've had in the past. That's it. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I'm living it right now. I'm going back to all these places that I haven't visited mm-hmm. in, 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 in years, to be quite honest. And now I have the drop shot in my... You know, in, in my pocket in case I need it. You know what? Today, I, I am interested in Sean because I remember you were like, for the longest time, it was just that you didn't like to throw the drop shot. Yeah. Is it, has that changed for you? Is it results driven? It's something clicked and yeah. it is results driven. I figured out, I figured out when to use it and then I found a bait that fit me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. And then on top of that, um, you know what really propelled this was Nelson getting me into saltwater fishing because he, for fluke, he that high exclu- low rig. You know he the high he taught yeah. me the high low rig and that is it's drop shotting pretty much it's it's heavier drop shotting and from there I said well I can do this and then I think the next step was getting absolutely destroyed on a tournament at Winnipesaukee one mm-hmm. year. And then the next year saying, I have to drop shot here because the fish are deeper. Yep. Um, and I had some success catching largemouth on like 30 feet of water on a heavier drop shot. And those two things kind of said, well, I can do this. And then, you know, at least gave me the confidence to do it. And then yep. going forward, I found the setup that I liked, which was the same setup, for my Ned. And I said, Oh, I can use this for drop shotting and I should be okay. And then really there were a couple other little tiny things like, well, what about the weights? And I think, you know, you and I had a discussion about that on Stockbridge bull the other day where I'm extremely comfortable using any, you know, any weights that aren't the ones that clip the line off. And for you longtime drop shotters, if you guys like that, that's your business. I understand that there is a pull there um, on the weight and there's a little bit of leverage and the fish could get off. I don't like losing weights. Yeah. I use cheap weights. I don't think the fish give a shit. And I use heavy weights in like 15 to 20 feet of water. I mean, mm-hmm. you were very surprised. I was throwing a drop shot out with a three-inch worm um, with a half-ounce weight the other day. Yeah. Because I was going to 20 to 25 feet. And you're like, what the fuck are you doing? I'm yeah. like, badoosh. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm drop shotting. I think my second cast, I got a 23-inch pickerel. Yeah. I'm like, it, they don't care. They don't fucking care. It really, so, uh, honestly, like the, the size of the weight really, it, it doesn't weigh in that much in terms of, of drop shotting. I think more or less really what it is, is some folks think bigger weight, bigger splash, less finesse, less subtlety. You know what I mean? But really, if you're drop shotting, if, if you're ultimately trying to get that, that bait down there in deeper water, heavier weight's going to do it. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's it's I, a necessary thing. It's not like those fish are on the surface. Like, they're down there. So, splash away. In the past away. week, <laughs> well, yeah, with a, with a drop shot throwing whatever type weight I want yeah. or deem necessary to get down to the bottom. So, in the past week, I've caught uh, 50 fish on mm-hmm. three trips where I used a drop shot, if not more. I mean... That's a quarter of the fish I've caught this year on a drop. Yeah. We're on a drop shot in the past week. I'll take it. Yeah. No, absolutely, dude. Fine. Yeah. I lo- so. I mean, I'm psyched to see you kind of like come around to it, but I was curious because it's like, yeah, it's it's not something fun that everybody wants to throw all the time, you know? 
Well, you but. know what really started me off on hating it was when people first started using it around here. I saw it in big boat tournaments when I was doing those. Yep. They only used it to drop shot to, to get fish off beds, which I'm not really a fan of doing anyways. Yep. I do it, but I'm not a fan of it. Um, I just, I don't know. It was just, it was a big negative connotation for me. And then once I learned to use it a little more with not giving it a little more action than I think the soaking a bait technique that I'd always had the preconception of it. Yeah. Now that I give it a little, I give it a little more action. I, I definitely, I'm definitely more active with it. And I, I think it pays off. And I just, I, I reframed my thinking of it as instead of it being a bait that I'm just letting sit there, I'm suspending a worm. Really? Yeah. That's where that really allowed me to get the mentality for it. And yep. now I'm really going forward and just, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. seeing what happens. Yeah. You got to fuck around if you're ever going to find out. Yeah. I mean, I fucked around in the past. It just, it, things didn't click and I didn't have these certain experiences. And now mm -hmm. just, you know, it wasn't a, a switch flicking. It was a number of things over the past three years that yep. have, gotten me to use it more you know mm. i love it i love it yep. so now we're gonna move forward we're gonna air, air a little bit of grievances a couple of them this week we got You know, this week in trivia, I was uh, on Friday, I was talking with uh, the bartender, Greg, and I was explaining the FTG segment to him. And he was like, what? What is this? What? And I explained it all to him. And uh, I told him, I was like, it's basically where we allow listeners to reach out and kind of like vent a little bit on, you know, whatever the situation might be. You know, uh, somebody using a birch tree as a, a roll of toilet paper, somebody using uh, the car, the, the ramp as a car wash, somebody eating sardines on an airplane. You know, I mean, these are the things that people want to air a grievance about, and that's okay. And Greg said something. He goes, oh, so they're airing grievances like, well, kind of like Festivus. And I said, yes, exactly. That's it. This is our Festivus for the rest of us. But um, Binya had called us last week uh, with a little bit of information. And uh, we're going to go ahead and hear from him real quick about his FTG. Hey, guys. Binya here with yet another FTG for you. So I'm fishing all day, exhausted, pull my boat up to the dock. And I'm sitting there packing stuff up, tying off. And I look at the boat ramp, and there is literally these two ladies, and they have camping chairs, a folding table, and they are literally having a picnic right at the top of the boat ramp, parked completely across the whole ramp. So I slowly pack up, thinking maybe they're going to get the passive-aggressive hint that I'm going to need to use that ramp very soon to get my boat out of the water. Nope. They just stare at me as I walk up the dock. I proceed to ask them nicely if I can drive my boat down, you know, trailer down and pick up my boat. They give me a disgusted look, grumble, and slowly 
pack up everything. I got all the way up to the parking lot, to my truck, to my trailer, all the way back, and they had just barely finished picking up. And then they were sitting in their car waiting to see if I was going to come back. So thought you guys would appreciate that. The uh, boat dock campers were my new FTG submission. Wow. I would have flipped their fucking table. Yeah. <laughs> like mafia, like like mob wives. Yeah. <laughs> it's because it's because you guys don't have a certain skill set that I've developed over the years. Can I can I go ahead? Tell you how this is solved resolved and just tell us how you would have handled a any stress? Of fucking cunts at the top of the fucking ramp. Hi. Uh is this the non emergency line? Yeah, town police. Yeah. Hey, I've got to get my boat out of the water, and two women are having a picnic on the boat ramp. Can you send somebody down here? Thanks. Appreciate it. And then you wait. <laughs> then you wait. <laughs> That's it. Actually, you know what? You call the fucking police. At, at that point, it's a really good idea to make sure that you've invested a little bit of money into a small folding tripod for your phone. So you can set it up and then just walk away and let it record all the excitement. If somebody's going to do that, they're not supposed to. Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous. And they know. And they, I'm sure. Like, it's not, oh, we didn't realize this was a boat ramp. We thought the road just went into the water. <laughs> I don't know what Fucks. people think with the boat ramps. I don't I don't get it. Uh, they think what they want, and uh, they can just get the police called on them. That's or, or, or they simple. don't think. Yeah. The people and, are generally and then the police, morons. The police can be the ones to say, what the fuck are you doing on yeah. a boat ramp having a picnic? You know, is this pretty Polly's tea party? What the fuck's going on? Get out of here. Yeah, it's true. That's it. We just want I don't to even, I wouldn't even water. say a word to him. I would, I would just call the cops. Yeah. Yeah, it's fuck true. Him. Fuck them. Yep. Now, Joe, you had a little something to add in here. A little bit of FTG. I, it's a little twinge yeah, in the FTG this week. And I was like, I'd never really had this happen to me. And I was like, this motherfucker. So I'm fishing that dam that that recent um, Instagram reel that I put up. You see me fishing yep. like right next to the dam at, you know, the local spot we we're talking to earlier. So I get there and I just start smashing them right off the bat. It's funny, Jay, Jay Manning's gonna know because he's probably dealt with these guys, or he oh. probably knows who these it's so. I'm fishing. There's there's a spot that people like set up camp chairs and they'll fish with shiners. Yeah. Um, it's always uh, the same. There's one guy that's always the same. He always brings a different friend, it seems like. And I have a little bit of history with that guy that's there all the time because he, he actually used to buy shiners from me. Yeah. He's actually a super nice guy. Like, I, in uh, he knows my family and stuff. So he was not involved. Um, so I'm catching these fish. These guys are probably literally a hundred yards away from me. And I see the friend is seeing me, you know, catch all these fish. And this guy fucking picks up his, his pole, his shiners. He comes as close to the dam as he possibly can. And he fucking starts casting literally probably five to 10 feet from my boat and some with his bobber and whatnot. And just sit and, and just letting it sit there, like watches me catch the fish and then just, Hikes through, hikes through around the shoreline to fucking to uh, fish this, and the reason why I didn't really say anything, I didn't say a fucking thing, but I kept catching fish and he wasn't. Oh, so yeah. that was like that was like enough. Yeah, but yeah. Sometimes that is. I had Emma with me, 
Oh, so I, yeah. <laughs> so I had to kind of keep it cool. So I had my four-year-old with me. And, uh, and, and, and I could tell the, the, the other gentleman, he knows me. He knows my boat and stuff. He stayed over there. And mm-hmm. you could tell he was just like, mm, he didn't like that his buddy came over. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, I was just like, this, this, like, like I stayed, like, I stayed completely away from them. Like, I, I, I will never, if there's people on the shore, I won't go near them. I'll make no. sure. And, and I was in a, and I, I had the live scope over by where they were. And there, there was fish in there. They just apparently didn't want shiners. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, so he, he stays there for probably 10, 15 minutes and he leaves. I'm still catching fish. And, I, and so finally I pack up, I leave and I go to the, uh, <laughs> I start to pull off and the, the guy's waving like he's my best friend. And the other, I, I'm not going to, we'll just say his name was John for yep. conversation's sake. I go, I actually told John, I go, Hey John, I go, you cast over here. I was like, they're all stocked, uh, stacked up right over here. Like, cause I got through live scope. Cause I get the guys, he's, he's a real good guy. His yep. friend was just an asshole, yeah. but, uh, and then I, I watched him fucking hook up right after. But yeah, it was just like I was like, are you fucking like? Yeah, that's you, you the couldn't, worst. Oh, dude, because I I get like I will not if I see people on shore like we've talked about yeah. a million times. I will not fuck with them. Yeah, like you know they're on the shore. They don't have the you know they don't have the means or opportunity at the time to be out in the boat. So I fucking I stay away from their little you know area that they have that they are having the opportunity to fish and just like the fact that. It didn't reciprocate for this guy when I, you know, when I'm, I'm strictly just fishing the small Larian. He had to come throw his shiner in there. It was a little fucking annoying, but so Joe, fuck, we're, that. We're, fuck that guy. We're going to talk on air. I'm pretty sure this guy is a repeat FTG. Really? Because when I had a one-on-one tournament match up there, I mentioned the same thing happened. I was in front of the dam and I said, this guy walked over and threw his fucking bobber right in front of me. And I'm looking at him going, what the fuck? And he waved at me mm-hmm. and smiled completely oblivious i believe he might have holy shit uh, i think it's the same guy uh we'll talk about it off air because okay we might have have to phrase this there's a way i have to phrase this that uh, i don't want to phrase it on air yeah um yeah so we'll talk about i think i think we have a repeat ftg here that's quite possible yeah yeah and uh unless you got a Unless you guys got a lot of dick bags over there doing that shit, is there a group of people that do that? I mean, I don't know. No, it, uh, no. And like I said, it's, it's just like this one guy that I don't mind. Like he's a he's a good dude. Yeah. Um, but he always has a different friend with him. Mm. You know. Okay. So yeah. we'll talk about it off air yeah. after we're yep. done recording. I don't want this recorded. What I all say. right, <laughs> all right. Interesting, interesting. Well, double FTG. Ah, it's a, and it's a juicy one too. I mm-hmm. like that. I like you know. It is funny. That situation, Joe, is the polar opposite. You remember that reel that I posted? Yeah. And it was about the dude striper fishing from like a rock jetty and a boat rolls right up on him. Yeah. Like yep, it yep, goes, yep. it goes both ways. I mean, it's just yeah. a, a respect thing, you know, and you've obviously yep. got that respect where you give the, the bank angler their spot if they're there, but it goes both ways. Like if there's somebody in yeah. a boat fishing a laydown. You got to leave that lay down alone until they're done. It who, if yeah. they were there first, you know. No, no, go walk out on it. <laughs> go walk out on it and jump and bounce. Um, yeah. I, well, I like this. I, I'm I like sure you th- guys have seen this video, but the fucking the king of this like mm-hmm. kind of FTG FTG topic. I don't know if you ever seen it. It's uh, a couple saltwater guys. They're using a kite rig. 
Um, I, are you guys? I mean, I, I know think you guys I've are seen this. With a kite rig. Yeah, yeah, I think I've and seen this. Fucking this. guy in a fucking little like Cessna plane fucking dives down by him and like uh, does like a low fly by him and fucking catches the kite rig <laughs> and fucking yeah. and you just oh, hear the rod shit. going. That's I have to find it and send it to you, Bobby. It's fucking wild. It's just, it, it's just, it, it blows my mind because it's like, it's true. Like you, you got to respect the anglers, like whomever is there. It, and I like to think that these folks that don't get that, these are the types of morons that yeah. show up at a Dunkin' Donuts or a Cumbies, unaware that there's a fucking line. <laughs> and they just you know walk what? right the fuck up and they're like, yeah, 20 on such and such in a fucking box of Pall Malls. Fuck no. you. Bobby, these are the guys and gals that show up at a Cumbie or any other convenience store. Never let's let's get Duncan out of there. Let's fuck Duncan. They show up, they show up at a convenience store. They buy scratch tickets. They scratch, scratch them, them off at the oh, counter. Fuck those God, guys. Fuck fucking every single worst. one of them. They're pieces of shit. Oh my God. <laughs> Uh, <sighs> yep, that's who those guys are. Yeah, that's who those guys are. Do you have any Just ice? Inco- inconsiderate fucks. You mean I gotta drink this coffee hot? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys, uh, you guys got hubcaps for a '79 Pinto? Ooh, Mini Trucker Magazine. I love Mini Trucker Magazine. <laughs> you guys know what's up. Cheeks and pigs. I love it when we come full circle on something, and this has been five episodes in the making, but here we are. Oh, hold on. I got to reference this. Yeah, we got to answer this. You have, yeah. to, so you have to answer that. Zach uh, asked us, Metal Jones, he says, you have gas stations up there called Cumbies? Yes, we do. They're called, to proper English speakers, they're called Cumberland Farms. To those locals, they're called Cumberland Farms or Cumbies. And they're usually next to a packy. Yeah, usually next which to a packy. Which is a package <laughs> store, which is where we get our liquor which and is, yeah, from. Commonly, com- otherwise known as a liquor store. <laughs> yes. A liquor store. You know. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's what a Cumbies is right there. I think I would I would venture to say that that regionally, Cumberland Farms is like on the it's as close as we have to like a Sheets or a Wawa. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think it's like almost like the the Cumberland Farms food is not as good as Sheets or Wawa, but it's available, which I think for New England is as good as you're gonna get. Yeah, you know. Um, yep. But I will tell you this much: it is time to talk about our top five uh, favorite baits that we've been throwing. We've we've reached number one. And I know a lot of people are probably that listen to this show are like, I know what Bobby's number one is. So I want to go last here. I want to make them sweat. Which one of you guys wants to take the lead here with your 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 number one favorite? Joe, you go. Okay. I was gonna say let's do rock, paper, scissors right in the air. Uh yep. So this has been my favorite. This is taken number one for I be, I will say that jerk bait and spinner bait used to be my number one. I yeah. talked about those two and three. This bait. And it's so like it's obviously a finesse bait mm-hmm. has been so fucking solid for me the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I never start with it, yeah. but I always finish with it. And that is a wacky slash like Nico rig. Yeah. I have caught so many fucking big fish on that the, the last year. 
Um, it, 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 it just produces. It's yeah. such a fucking easy, stupid rig. Um, you know, for those of you guys don't know, uh, you, you know, your wacky rig is, you know, your, 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 it's typically your stick, your stick bait with, uh, and you either, uh, put your hook in an O-ring or a lot of people just put it straight in the, uh, the center of the, uh, the, um, the stick bait mm-hmm. and, uh, they fish it that way. Me, I say 75% of the times I'm actually Nico rigging it. Mm-hmm. And when I say Nico rig, what I do is uh, I put that nail weight in the nose. So obviously it goes nose down and I, 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 I rip it. I'll, uh, I'll let yeah. it fall and I'll rip it a couple times to the point where, uh, <clears throat> At least with the setup I use, I could feel that like vibration, almost like a chatterbait like yeah. vibration. Um, I've caught, I mean, I caught that four and a half uh, during the tournament on that. I've caught shit this year. I've probably caught three or four, mm-hmm. four pounders on it, um, four pluses on it. It's just such a stupid, easy, you know, finesse setup to do. Um, <clears throat> When it comes to the Nico rig, I do it a little different. Um, and this is kind of where I go outside the box. So they do have, obviously, you guys know they have, you know, you have a wacky hook and you have Nico hook separate. Yeah. Yep. I use a wacky for both. I don't, yeah. I, I, I have had, I use a wacky hook for my Nico rigs. I just keep a wacky hook that way. A couple reasons. If I want to take that nail out, it's fucking just interchangeable. Oh, I do yeah. use an O ring. I use I use five millimeter O rings. They're a little tighter. Um, they hold on a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But uh, I've had better hookups uh, ratios just using the wacky. I, I tried to switch over to a Nico for a while, uh, the beginning of the season, and my hookup ratio sucked. So yeah. I, I, I stayed, I stayed, uh, I stayed with that. Um, so gear, I do it a little bit differently. Than ninety percent of people, I actually use a BF. I use a BFS setup for my mm-hmm. Nico and Wacky rigs. So I have a seven two. Fuck, it's not in here. Oh yes, I have a seven two or seven three um, six sense Team Six medium that yep. I use. Okay, um, with a Corrado BFS reel, and it is just so. It's <laughs> is that during the tournament? I'll be honest. I probably We'll go back over to a um, spinning reel, a spinning setup. Yep. Um, the BFS is just fun. It's just a fun yeah, setup. Yeah. It's it's super. It, it's it's. But I will do. I mean, I, I just put a reel on Instagram about it. I fucking snap my hook sets a ton because obviously setting a hook with a with a, uh, a casting reel, a casting set is a little different than a spinning reel. Mm-hmm. And I tend to a little too often forget that I'm using eight pound eight pound fluoro on my BFS yeah. setup. So I'll fucking set that thing and, uh, you know, just try to rip its face off. And it, it's, you're going to, I just snap the line every time when I, when I forget and I do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my number one. Um, you know, it's kind of a plug kind of not because I only do it because I believe in it. My, the worm, the only stick bait I use for this and I have used all season and I've said it multiple times yeah, is that is. fresh baits, 10W30 synthetic. Yep. I that that bait has been so solid for me this year. I actually literally while we were recording today, I just bought like five or six more bags to bring down south with me. Yeah. So um 
Yeah, that's that's, awesome. that's my number one. I love it. I mean, it's a great presentation. You know, it is. It, 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 it is it's just so simple. Yeah, stupid. Yeah. It, it's just it's and it's it, it's it's a great. That's the rig I give to my kids to learn. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? It's so easy between uh, it, you know between that and the you know a net rig and and stuff. That's that's what I I try to get them to uh, learn. Yep. So it, it's, it's a great just one. such an easy rig, but it produces. You know. Yeah. yeah. This this year I've been fucking around with Nico rigging um, Berkeley Chigger Cross, where I'll put an O ring like two segments up from the bottom with yeah. nail weight, and what I use is a weedless. It's like a weedless. Uh, VMC Nico hook. It's it's big, yeah. but it's yep. got two yep. fluorocarbon prongs on it that sort of like keep the yep. as yep. almost like a brush guard. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, and I, I I love it. I think it's it's awesome. I I love a, a Nico rig. I just haven't found like my groove with it yet. You know what I mean? Right. As opposed right. to a drop shot or a Ned rig, um, right? Or a finesse jig even. You know, but it's yep. it's a lot of it is very similar. You know, a lot yep. of it. It's just you know figuring it all out. Yep. What about you, Sean? I have a feeling I know what your first one, first favorite's going to be. I have a feeling. Do you want? Do you want to try and steal my thunder? Go for it. Uh, let me actually take a look at the. Oh wait, no, I do know what it is because you. Well, put yeah, you saw. It. Never yeah, mind. you're right. I, I, I never mind. I'll, I'll, all right, I, I keep my thunder. Yeah. I have. I, this is going to sound a little odd to folks, but I put for my number one bass jig slash Ned rig. Yep. The reason for that is they're all jigs. So if yeah. really, what it comes down to is any head weighted mm -hmm. plastic anything on a jig head so yeah. it can be a bass jig or a ned rig now you say you know some people might say well they're completely different eh, i'd argue that because it's really just a skirt that's the difference mm -hmm. it's really it, there's there's not a lot going that's on true. here it's just a different weight and it's a skirt to the point where i use uh three eighth ounce jig heads uh for my bass jigs yep and then during the summer, after the spawn and after post-spawn, I found that uh, using an extra wide gap quarter-ounce Ned head with the same exact trailer yep. that I'm using on my jig head, just be slimming it down a little bit, I get the same effects. Jigs are jigs, whether they're a sixteenth of an ounce or they're three-eighths of an ounce or they're a half ounce. They're all mm -hmm. jigs. Yeah. So jigs of all type. And to illustrate this, I, I didn't catch... Since I've been keeping my records in two, since 2009, I haven't caught anything between 2009 and 2011 yep. with jigs. I just, it wasn't in my repertoire. And then I went down to Oklahoma um, in 2014. I caught a couple fish in 2012, but 2014 was when things really started happening. So I, I included 2012. From 2012 until today, okay. I have caught 6,427 fish, period. Mm -hmm. uh, any technique, right? Yep. Almost a third of those, 2,089, have come off jigs of some type. Yep. Whether it's a Ned rig, whether it's a, um, whether it's a bass jig, whether it's a bigger Ned rig, something that's so big that you wouldn't consider it a Ned rig, but it doesn't have a skirt, so it's mm -hmm. not a bass jig. Yep. Or the occasional, I even threw shaky heads in there because I think I've caught like maybe three fish on shaky heads, yep. whatever. Yeah. I threw any plastic with or without a skirt head weighted with a jig head 2089 fish in since 2012. Yeah. 
And that's all species, not just bass. I was starting to look at bass numbers and I'm like, eh, this is kind of apples and oranges and I want to put a percentage on there because yep. I don't know. But at the bare minimum, all right, I looked at bass that are over 17 inches long that I've caught since 2012 yep. on these techniques. And I have over 200 of them, all right? Even though this 2089 is all species, which more than likely I'm sure, you know, four-fifths of that is bass. So I would say probably 1,500 minimum. 200 of those fish were over 17 inches. A, a significant percentage yeah. of my bass over 17 inches are on jig heads. Yep. You know, jig plastics with a jig head. So, yeah, that's my favorite thing to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, I have I have fun with the drop shot now. I'm learning that. Sure. I love a bunch of different techniques and I apply that. But there's certain times... Um, where a bass jig will crush everything, especially around timber. And yeah, then there's other times where a Ned, rig, a Ned rig will do so much damage, particularly mm -hmm. smallmouth waters. Um, and the nice thing is that Ned rig can be applied in situations where other, other things aren't going to catch fish. Yep. You know, it's such a subtle reaction bait and it works mm -hmm. constantly. Cold weather, cold water, post-frontal conditions, I can't say enough about this. Like I said, I got a really, really good boot camp style education in 2014 on how to use a jig mm -hmm. in the worst possible conditions. And since then, everything else has been easy with it. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. I mean, I use them for pike now. I use them for pickerel. Yeah. You know, Joe, you were just saying you don't want to set the hook hard on an eight pound test, right? So the last two pin pickerel, the, the last two state pins I got this year were both pickerel, right? Both of them were on eight pound in Vizex. So right. what I will say is <clears throat> I I have bought in Vizex because of because of Sean. Yep. Um I haven't put it on that reel yet. I kind of was using the rest of my fucking yeah. the waste basics. It. Yeah. Yep, yep. Um so that that could because I was Especially like that reel I just put on Facebook or, or uh, Instagram where you hear it like snap. That was uh, around some rocks. Um, yep. So, yeah. So, because of Sean, I have swapped over to Invisex, mm -hmm. everybody. Yeah, that eight pound Invisex handles Ned rigs, you know, up to a quarter ounce where I'm throwing those around. They handle them just fine. Like during the uh, the last, uh, you know, last, last in person tournament I fished with, uh, with Loaded Potato. Yep. I got one massive bite on a Ned rig in 15 feet of water. It was, uh, what was I putting on there? I think I cut a, I had a four inch Bass Pro Shop sticko that I cut. I always cut about an inch of them off or three quarters of an inch off mm -hmm. and, and get it down to a three inch. If it's a color I can't find in three inch. And I did that and I got absolutely smashed. And I was so happy. I'm like, Andy, we might have Lunker. And I got that thing and it was a 25 inch pickerel. And I was, honestly, I eyeballed it. And I'm like, yeah, it's not a pin. And I'm glad Andy made me measure it because yeah, it that was. was a state pin, but that was again, eight pound test. On that on that Ned rig, and that's a state pin. Um, I can't tell you how many smallmouth I've caught over you know eighteen inches with Ned rigs. Yep. This this spring at Champlain was was amazing with that. Um, and again, just taking I took a striking Ocho. I I couldn't find in any other color this one particular color I know smallmouth like at uh, at Champlain, especially around uh, spawn time because it worked in um, it worked at Candlewood. Couple of years ago, mm -hmm. same color. Threw that thing on there. Had five inch ocho. I cut about an inch, inch and a half off. Put it right on the Ned rig. Dropped it in fifteen feet of water, and I was getting smallmouth after smallmouth. No yeah. issues. Jump I love out. the Ned rig. 
I, I love bass jigs. They're hand in hand. They're the same. They're the same lures. Yeah. You know, brush guards. Uh, what do you call it? skirts? EWGs, skirts. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, they're it's the same thing. Slight so, variations um, on the on on a similar piece of terminal, really. The the whole, I guess the the my approach to fishing and structure completely changed when I learned how to use a jig, and that just rolled over into a Ned rig. It just yeah. rolled right into it. I agree. Um, completely <laughs> changed. So there you go. Jigs and Ned rigs. Let me ask you this, Sean, about that. Uh, Cause you mentioned the deep water stuff. Do you tend to use a heavier weight when you're going deep water? Or you just kind of wait a little longer. No, I, I'll use a heavier weight. Okay. All right. I will like, so check this out with, with Ned rigs. Um, again, my, my bass jigs, I don't throw very deep. I have used them in like some weeds, but I prefer using, um, honestly, I have a couple of, uh, leftover, um, swinging football heads that I'll throw into weeds. I don't yeah. use them around rocks. I literally don't care about football jigs and rocks. I don't give a shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm fine with throwing the quarter ounce Ned rigs I have. Mm-hmm. I use those swinging football heads because they have a three odd hook. So it goes yeah. back a little further. That's yeah. the reason I like those. Yeah. I don't even care if it swings to be quite honest, but, um, with when it comes to deeper water. So if I see anything over like 10 feet, normally if it's really shallow and I'm using one of my cut up three, but somewhere between three and four inch stick worms that I bought from Bass Pro Shops, mm-hmm. um, I will use those if I want a slow fall and it's shallow, I'll use those on a 16th. If we get around 10 feet, I throw them onto an eighth. Might be a different story. Right? Because, yeah. because there's no resistance to those things. They are dropping. Yeah. And if I'm talking anything over, like I might still use them around 15 feet. I might not, but 15 feet, I start getting towards a quarter and you're throwing a quarter ounce, you know, a quarter ounce, extra wide gap, Ned head, the ones that loaded potato and I have uh, come up with, they rock it down, yeah. but they get down mm-hmm. there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and it's the fall and it's the reaction. So yes, I do. I do wait up now. If I go over real, if I go really deep, I would probably take the quarter ounce and then string a couple of those uh, Sabeel, um, hook shaft weights on there. Yeah. That'll yeah. really fucking drop it. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. I mean, I do. I do increase the weight as I get deeper. Same sure. thing with a drop shot, too. So, sure. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like Bobby can attest to 25 <laughs> feet of water. It's a fucking depth charge going off when you whip that half ounce weight out there. Yeah, oh, yeah. But, you know, they don't care. They'll hit it. That's true. So, That's true. There you go. Bobby, what you got? So for me, my my favorite one is uh, it is also a jig, um, but specifically it's a swim jig. And the reason why it's my favorite is because of the level of versatility. If I am at a new body of water and I don't know it and I'm just looking to cover water, I will gravitate toward throwing a swim jig for two primary reasons. Um, first off, you know, moving presentation allows me to cover water. Second thing that it gives me versus throwing just a, you know, a, a more of a, of a, like a three or a four inch swim bait is it gives me secondary action. That skirt pulsating in the water adds to the attention grabbing potential. It slows the fall a little bit. Um, it adds a little bit more resistance in the water. You can pulse it. Um, and I've caught absolute tanks on a swim jig. Now, the, the versatility comes in the fact that 
if I'm fishing an area and I'm covering water and I roll up into some timber, I'm 100% going to just flip that swim jig in there. And I will probably get bit if there's a fish in there, or at least I've got the confidence of being able to get bit because of that. It's sort of like the same thing. Um, it's just it's it's the moving bait that I have the most confidence in, you know, as far as being able to draw a bite or get bit. And I think the biggest change for me recently is this year was upsizing the trailer that I'm using on there and using a five inch swim bait on the back of it. Um, it just seems to make uh, a, a big difference and, and it gets bit, you know, by, by big fish, it gets me some really, really big bites. <clears throat> so you have the versatility of being able to throw into heavy cover and utilize this. I can use it in weeds and feel confident that I can get bit. I can let it drop all the way down. I can rip it. Um, I can also fish it in open water confidently as well you know so it lends itself to a lot of different things for me but if for me it's 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 a swim jig 100 percent, and most likely it's got a giant uh swim bait off the back of it right now my cut and dry very simple okay do you yeah. um do you consider like like i do with the jigs and the ned rigs do you consider throwing a paddle tail on a on any type of jig head on a, like a swim bait Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, okay. I do, I do that thing. all the okay. time. In fact, yeah. actually, my well, I put swim baits on as uh, what I think was number five or number four on my list. It was on there because I'll throw those all day. That's another one that I've got tons of confidence in. But again, it's more like that's even more subtle, you know, than throwing a a, 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 a swim jig. You know, you throw that swim jig in that that skirt, like you know that California sh uh, California that um, what the fuck do they call that? The shake. Uh, where you you basically shake the rod the entire time. What the fuck is the name that they they? It's got a name. Oh, the Harlem Shake. <laughs> Harlem Shake. Yeah, that's <laughs> what it is. You do the Harlem Shake. No, and you can you, that that skirt will just undulate. Or what I've actually been doing is just literally long, long, long cast chucking wide. If I'm in open water, I'll actually throw this on my seven uh, seven seven rod. So that I get the most distance out of it and I'll just like basically just cruise it every once in a while and then periodically just pop it just to try Alabama shake. That's what it is. Thank you, Zach. Um, and, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll do that where you're not really wearing yourself out, shaking the tip of that rod constantly trying to generate a strike. Um, I did have a window of time where I was I was getting hammered with with bites on on a swim jig and it was it was doing great. And then out of nowhere, I got cute, I think, with the trailer and I started throwing more like cross style trailers. And for me, I just never really saw any real results in that. I feel like all any bites that I did get was throwing them like a like I would throw a typical bass jig, like a three eighths ounce, like, you know, jig with a craw trailer in some timber, you know, and 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 trying to get bit there or up against like rocks or something like that. I felt like, you know, on the fall, that might get bit. But switching back to a paddle tail and specifically a larger one, I seem to get much, much bigger bites on. It's just one of those things where it's visual, you can see it. And that skirt just kind of bulks it up that much more. But also the skirt kind of slows it on the drop, too. So I throw three-eighths and half-ounce swim jigs for the most part, depending on where I want them in the column. And I, uh, I, I like the fact that the skirt will kind of slow things down. I'll throw, like, 
a quarter ounce jig head on a paddle tail and it just boom there's no resistance like that tail is going and that'll slow it down somewhat but that skirt has so adds so much more resistance to slow it down it would really really surprise you um so yeah for me that's number one and i'm sure most of the listeners that if they've listened to this show previously even a handful of episodes probably knew that that was coming like that is the moving presentation of choice you know if if i gotta go for it that's what i'm doing especially with new water so that's it we got uh we got a full full uh you know list of our top five favorite baits and we're gonna retire bait of the week and bring it back as gear of the week we're gonna talk about all kinds of great stuff uh, in uh, in our gear segment, we're going to focus on everything from, you know, uh, outboard motors to, you know, freaking carpet cleaners to kayaks, tackle, tackle bags, tackle bags, organizational tools, actual literal tools that maybe you don't necessarily think would work for fishing, but somehow do. We're going to talk about all that stuff, guys. Um, <laughs> Metal Jones says, how much did you have to pay that dude to call in the FTG? Uh, nothing, <laughs> nothing. He listens to the show. I just reached out and asked for, asked a favor and asking you shall receive. He did a great job with it. So that was good shit. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was free, but it, it took a little piece of my soul. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Zach? You know, you know, you know what I'm saying, Zach? Uncle Frank knows what's going on. I'm Welcome sorry. Back. Welcome back to drugs and dicks. It's drugs and dicks. Welcome back. Let's take a short break, guys. You know, I'm so glad I told uh, I told Joe when I recorded this interview segment with him last night. I said, hey, listen, man, I'm going to go ahead and just send you an MP3 of our interview so that you can listen to it with the kids. <laughs> because I don't know that the rest of the show is going to work for you. So we're going to go ahead and do that. But we're going to take a short break, guys. And when we get back, we have an amazing interview with Joe Logan. Not Joe Rogan. Joe Logan from Logan Party of Forerunner. Yes, an overlanding content creator on YouTube and Instagram, going out there, doing some camping with his family, young kids, getting out there. He's got stories that will just blow your mind. Some of the stuff that they have done, it's absolutely fantastic. This is the guy that got me into the BDR trails all over the country, and I'm starting to kind of lean into how can I create some amazing fishing trips, utilizing these as a way to just travel and have some have some fun. Um, we're going to take a short one. Uh, a short one, guys. We'll see you in a bit. Don't go too far. Much more Jigs and Bigs coming up. We got our, our, our beef seat segment, and uh, we're going to wrap things up because we got to talk about what happened Friday night at Trivia because... Sean the Fisherman, Sean the Fisherman needs to share his story of what happened. We'll see you guys. Don't go too far. More Jigs and Bigs coming up right after this. Hey, guys. Bobby Roast Beef here from Jigs and Bigs. You know, if there's one thing I can't stand spending money on, it's on something that's not versatile, something that I can't get a lot of use out of. I want to talk to you about Frost Buddy. What Frost Buddy is, is uh, it's one of those can coolers. I've seen these before. In fact, I have some that are limited to only fitting one specific size of can, like a standard 12-ounce can. I stumbled onto Frost Buddy, and I was blown away with it. So versatile. Fits standard cans, tall cans, slim cans, and even 12-ounce bottles. And the magic is the insert fits all of these items in various stages within the insert. And when you take that out, you can fit a full 16-ounce Tallboy can. In fact, it even doubles down on being versatile with the coffee lid. And on my recent trip to Chickamauga, I had a field day with this thing. 
I was throwing beer cans in it. I'd have coffee in the morning. On the drive, I was throwing in all different sizes of cans for different canned coffee products to keep me awake on the long drive back. It, the thing was amazing. So I recommend you check out Frost Buddy. If you're in the market for either a travel travel cup for your coffee or a can cooler at all, either one of those, check it out. For the money, you cannot go wrong. What I've done is this. In the show notes for this podcast you're listening to right now, if you look there, you'll find a link to Frost Buddy where you can get yours. And not only can you go and get your Frost Buddy there, but you can help out the show as well. Go and uh, visit that link in the show notes to this podcast. Check out a Frost Buddy. Tons of colors, tons of patterns, all kinds of great stuff. And it's a great spot to put your jigs in big sticker too. Take it from me, Bobby Roast Beef. You're going to get the most versatility out of this one product, probably out of anything you're ever going to buy, especially for anything that you're drinking. Frost Buddy. It works for me. I'm a happy guy. and Bigs is your favorite fishing podcast, right? Why not show the world how much you love the show while directly supporting us? We have men's and ladies' shirts, hoodies, and a variety of hats. We even have a waterproof outdoor Bluetooth speaker so you can listen to your favorite podcast while out on the water if you like. Check out jigsandbigs.com slash shop to visit the store and gear yourself up. If you really can't get enough of this show, consider becoming a jig head and joining our Patreon. It's a subscription that gives you exclusive access to recording sessions that allow you to engage with us as we record the show. We also have some exclusive content there just for our jig heads and even have some special promo codes. Space is limited, so join now at jigsandbigs.com. Finally, if you're local to our area in Western Massachusetts, consider checking out the Western Mass Fishing Report posted weekly at northeastwildwoman.com. We have amazing contributors providing great content and info for local conditions and what's been going on and working recently. Jigs and Bigs, so much more than just two lightly roasted hippies trapped in the 90s arguing on the internet about fishing. All righty, guys. Bobby Roast Beef back at it. Another another interview. Here we are. We have a brand new guest. Uh, we've got uh, we've got Joe Logan with us, and Joe is uh, a content creator of a different stripe. Joe is is uh, not uh, your typical fishing uh, content creator that we would normally have on here. No, Joe is uh, a part of a family, a content creating family that seems to be a trend lately these days, and and, and I'm all for that. Um, no, Joe is a member of a content creating family in the Overland space, and uh, his uh, his uh, Instagram handle and YouTube channel is uh, and I love this by the way. I think this is I, I love a good dad joke, and I feel like that's where this is cornered. They're called Logan Party of Forerunner, and let me just I mean hold on a little bit of that old school applause for that because that is brilliance in marketing right there, my friend. Good job. Um, so Joe and I are going to talk a little sure. bit about, uh, about, you know, this, this, this phenomenon of overlanding and truck camping and how it kind of relates to different stuff. Um, let me give, uh, well, actually, you know what, Joe, let's get, get, uh, let's, let's talk with you, kind of talk about your, uh, your passion for the outdoors just in general, like how you were introduced to it, all that stuff. But how did we get from you know, where you were, you know, I, I'm assuming uh, a kid playing outdoors to now going out with your family on some pretty extensive road trips and being completely vehicle reliant. Tell me about that. 
Yeah, man. So first of all, thanks. Thanks a lot for having me on the podcast. I've been really excited about this. First, uh, first podcast appearance of Logan party of four runners. That's pretty awesome. That's awesome, dude. Um, but I, you know, started off camping as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, my family, I'm the youngest of five and my family, you know, was always into camping. Yep. Some of my earliest and fondest memories were camping in a pop-up camper, you know, in state parks and national parks and whatnot. Oh yeah. So I've, I've done that. Um, you know, as long as I can remember, I've also done a fair amount of uh, backpacking as well. I've been section hiking the Appalachian trail for about 15 years now. Okay. And, uh, met my wife about, it's close to 14 years ago now we've been married for 12 years and uh we did a fair amount of camping just sort of you know car camping Mm -hmm. uh out of my subaru at the time and um we had our daughter back uh in 2018 and i really wanted to go out west and do some you know camping out there and had never done that Yep. And when she was about five months old, we had an opportunity to go to go out west. And um, I took three weeks off of work. Nice. And we at the time I had a Mazda CX-5. Mm-hmm. And I had an old boat trailer that I turned the boat trailer into a flatbed trailer, threw some toolboxes on it and some uh, bike racks and stuff like that. We loaded yeah. up our gear and headed out there. We looked redneck as all get out, you know, but it worked and we camped uh, all along the way and went out through the Rocky Mountains and Grand Canyon with a you know, six month old baby. Yep. And uh, we had a blast. And yep. we didn't, you know, we didn't do any, yeah, I mean, we took lots of pictures and stuff, but we weren't uh, doing any video or anything like yeah. that to really document the trip. And we got back and um, I upgraded to a Forerunner and we had another kid, you know, we had Travis, my son, and yep. I said, you know, when we keep doing these trips, I really want to document them better so we can look back on them and remember them. And, you know, I had started watching videos yep. on YouTube at that point of places that I wanted to go and started seeing other people's stuff. And I'm like, man, if we can, if we can take video that we can look back on and, and have fond memories ourselves and give other yeah. people some information or entertainment along the way, then that's awesome. So um, that's kind of where Logan Party Forerunner was born. And uh, we've been doing it since, I guess, uh, 2020. Oh, no late kidding. That's awesome. And uh, so we've been at it a little while and, and finally starting to catch a little bit of steam and, I've had a good time messing with it. I really have. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's we, awesome. Um, when, when my son was five months old, I built a cargo trailer. Or, well, uh-huh. I say I built a cargo trailer. I, I ordered a five-by-eight cargo trailer. Yep. And I outfitted the inside of it. I ordered it with windows on each side. Oh, okay. Uh, with barn doors in the back and yep. a, a door in the front. And I converted that into a camping trailer. Oh, that's great. And uh, we used that for a couple of years. Actually, I I built that when I still had the CX-5. Um, And then wasn't too long after we had the trailer, we wound up going to the 4Runner. Yep. And we took that that trailer all the way back out to uh, out west again. We went to Yellowstone in that area for a two-week trip when Travis was about five months old. Holy cow, two and kids we got in back. Yellowstone? Wow. 
Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and it man. was in, uh, I think we went in October, if I remember correctly. And, uh, yeah, we, it actually snowed on us while we were out there. So we, no we had, a, had a blast doing that. But then we realized yeah. we, we realized when we got back that that cargo trailer just wasn't really fitting our needs yep. a whole lot. So uh, after that trip, I sold it. It was one of those things I didn't know how it would sell, if it would sell, yeah. you know, what I could get for it. But uh, I listed it, and I had so many people messaging me about it, commenting on it from all over the world. I had, like, one dude within, like, 12 hours from Australia that wasn't wanting to buy it. He just wanted to tell me how much he liked it and how much he would have bought it, you know, if it had been that's amazing uh, something that he could get his hands on. Yeah. And I actually had it sold within 24 hours. No and kidding. And I sold it for, like, yeah, I sold it for about $1,000 more than I had in it. And I had been using it for almost two years. So, but that shows you the uh, demand. You know, great. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Wow, dude, that's crazy. After after we did that, I said we're going to use that money to outfit the Forerunner differently. For sure. You know, at that point, the Forerunner was mostly stock, and I wound up getting a a, like a Prince roof rack and got a, a rooftop tent. Yep put that on there and um, use that for a while and we really really liked the rooftop tent yeah. it gave us a lot more room um, as far as the bed area goes uh, it was something that the cargo trailer was really lacking on it was yep. very tight to get all four of us in there um, and we really we, we liked the freedom that we had of not pulling a trailer but we were struggling with having room for everything of course you know we were just loaded to the max yep. and we're kind of like man what we're we gonna do to get more room and still be able to to go where we want to go because at that point i'd put a a lift on the forerunner and uh we were starting to do a little bit more of the off-roading the sort of the overlanding uh lifestyle with the travel going back further mm-hmm. into the woods you know and getting away from people and camping exploring that way and i wanted to figure out how we could still do that, but still have more room at the same time. Yeah. And I started looking into overland trailers. Oh yeah. And you start looking at overland trailers and you're talking big money, big, big money <laughs> pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah. So I've always been a do it yourself kind of guy, um, done construction work most of my life, always wanted to know how to weld, Yep. but it never welded anything. Uh, but a buddy of mine gave me an old buzz box welder. And I went down to the to the metal shop locally and picked up some scraps of metal, started playing with them. And as uh, soon as I could halfway get a bead going, I said, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to build me a trailer from the ground up. No kidding. So, yeah, last year uh, over the winter, I guess it would have been over the winter of 21 to 22. Yep. Um, I worked on this trailer uh, from the ground up. I don't know. Were you able to see any of the um, videos that I have on my channel of the build of the trailer? I didn't look at much for the build stuff um, because I get I have so I'm a I'm a forerunner driver too. I don't know if you can tell from the door frame. I'm sitting in my right, forerunner right. right now. Uh, nice. This is so fitting, but um, I don't really. So this is my my next question. Actually, kind of leads right into this. 
I'm not one of those overlanders that comes at all from the off-roading space. You know what I mean? Um, right. I've never right. done it. I don't really have a whole lot of interest with it. In fact, just this year, um, so I had done my what I would consider my first like overlanding trip, where it was just entirely like for the most part off-grid. Um, we went to mm-hmm. Northern Maine, the the Moosehead Lake region. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. Right. Um, logging roads did again. Like for me, overlanding has always kind of it's been a way to extend my fishing adventures. So you know, if, if I go out mm-hmm. and I have to drive like you know six, eight, ten hours to go to a spot and fish, I've got to be able to make it an overnight trip, at least one night, you know, right. in order to make it worth right. all that effort. So Moosehead was a great example of that. It's kind of a, a famous lake in massachusetts and i wanted to go check this out so i you know hit the old youtubes and started finding Mm -hmm. trips around or just other content creators that had documented their experience or on moosehead and i found a spot i found a spot on the lake that i was like this this is great there's five or six sites on the lake and i'm like well Go for it. We're going to send it. Did not realize that May, when we went, was the mud season up there. Like, didn't mm-hmm. realize that it was going to impact it that much. So my buddy and I go right. out, and, you know, again, like, I'm pulling, I'm in my Forerunner, which, just to give you, like, reference, is a 2022 stock TRD Sport. So it's got okay. it's got the limited wheels. It's got the X-ray as limited suspension. Not ideal, but it does have... Uh, actual functioning four-wheel drive, A-track, downhill assist, a lot of the stuff. It's mm-hmm. it's a very, very well-equipped limited. Um, right. Is, is really what it is. <clears throat> um, but I've got stock wheels on it. So, and I'm towing a trailer. And at the time, I was towing a U-Haul trailer, a 12-foot U-Haul trailer, a 12 by 6. Big right. trailer, dual axle. And my buddy was in a two-wheel drive Tacoma. I didn't realize he had two-wheel drive. I, I, I thought it, he had four-wheel. I assumed when I asked him about going. And he was towing a, I want to say this was a jet ski trailer that he modified to a kayak trailer. He's very, right. very, very skillful with all this stuff. He's going to be helping with me with my trailer build. And mm-hmm. so that's my question. There is like, is were you into off roading beforehand? Because I'm I, I see this connection of like folks that love off road and then off roading and extending their off roading adventures, obviously through what they call overlanding. Like, what was it like for you? So, I, honestly, the Forerunner was the gateway drug for me into all this. Yeah. <laughs> I had never really done uh, any over. Uh, overlanding or off-roading before that. Yep. And I got the Forerunner. We just, I guess we were lucky to get the Forerunner. Um, it was a vehicle that my wife actually just liked the look of. Yeah. Um, you know, she's not much of a car person, but she'd see a Forerunner go down the road and she'd be like, I like that. Yeah. I would, you know, I would drive that. Those and Gen 5s. Like, well, I like that too. Yeah, those Gen 5s. Yeah. They're like, they're really, really, they have a good look. People just eat them up. Yeah. Yeah. We both loved it. So we picked one up and, you know, I didn't really have any plans of doing anything crazy with it mm-hmm. at the time, but I mean, I knew it was a good platform to upgrade. Oh, yeah. Yep. So I just started, you know, browsing the internet, and, you know, that's a dangerous thing. And yep. One thing leads to another and, you know, pretty quickly I realized, uh, how, just how capable the forerunner is even in its stock, yeah. you know, configuration. 
So we went, uh, we went on our first, the first, uh, off-roading trip I can think of, we did uh, a trail called uh, bald mountain Jeep trail. Mm-hmm. It's like two, three hours from our house. Yep. And, uh, we did it completely stock. Uh, it was kind of terrifying to a degree, you know, just, I was afraid of tearing stuff up and of course, uh, never really, you know, seen what the forerunner was capable of yep. and we took our time and worked our way through and you know had no issues and had a really good time and then wasn't too long after that i'd put a three inch lift on it and you know got some 33 inch yep. uh, wheels with some you know all-terrain bf goodrich tires yep and started going out again and realized just how much more we were able to do but you know the more we would um, dip our toes into it and get some experience. We'd sort of see what our weak points were, yeah. you know, where we were close to damaging something. I realized that the benefit of having some rock sliders rather than the, yes. you know, stock running boards and stuff to For keep sure. from messing up your side panels and all that. So just as I could, I just started adding more stuff and put the rock sliders on there and mm-hmm. wound up getting pretty much full uh, skid plates underneath it. Yep. And really, I mean, that's about all I've done to it. Yeah. Um, I have since upgraded the suspension again to a newer and more complete system. My first uh, lift kit was actually used. Oh, okay. And, um, you know, between the wear that it had on it plus the, uh, like, 80,000 that we put on it, it was just pretty well oh, worn wow. out. Yeah. And it was uh, added a fair amount of weight over time because I also have like a drawer system in the back that I built myself just to help organize our gear. Yep. And, uh, so, you know, carrying a lot of weight in the back and then, um, pulling the trailer some and, uh, the, all the armor and everything, you know, it's just adding some, a lot of weight to where it just, the stock or the, the first suspension system just wasn't holding up. You need to make it, make a change. This year I replaced it all. Yeah. I went with something a little beefy. It's still, you know, it doesn't look that much different. It's still just a three inch lift. Yeah. And, uh, but with that three lift, uh, we went out to, uh, Moab last year. Yeah. And we were, you know, focused on Utah and we went all over the place. You know, yep. we did Hell's Revenge and Fins and Things and Top of the World, some of the, you know, more difficult trails out oh, yeah. there. And, you know, we might not have been the fastest people out there and and we took a you know a few bypasses but we got through yep. the entire trail yeah um and we've got some scars to prove it you know we it. haven't torn yeah. anything up too bad but scratching things up uh it's kind of forerunners kind of gotten to the point where i'm not afraid to put a little ding in it here and there if i have to i hear you that i definitely hear that now it's it's funny because our paths kind of crossed when I was doing some research for 2024's travel plans. And I mm-hmm. found, I think it's a series of videos on your channel, or maybe it's just one. But you guys had done the NEBDR. And that yep. that yep. got my attention because it's, it, you know, I live in the Northeast. And up here, there's this idea that, you know, there's everything up here is private property. In fact, I know of a handful right. of... Uh, 
I'll call them like off-road courses that are local, you know, I, I say local, but they're in the New England area and you either need to become a member of a club to get access to them or you pay a fee in order to go and, and you know, use these, which is fine, I guess, if you're into off-road. And again, like for me, this has always been a counterpart to the fishing adventure. Like that's what it's all about. So sure. it's about destination right. to destination. And I, I stumbled on the NEBDR and the MABDR and I saw mm -hmm. your video and I was like, there are spots that you went by that I fished lakes, bodies of that's water. Awesome. And I'm like, yeah. I know where that is. Are you kidding me? This is a thing. So I went and I looked at it. I'm just like, this is this could be very, very cool. And uh, I started mm -hmm. doing some research into the Vermont area. And now I'll tell you th where this is all going right here. I don't have I noticed you didn't say that you have a winch on your on your rig. Do you have a winch? That is correct. It, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I'll put it that way. So I had something happen this year that scared the ever living shit out of me. I was, I had, I, my, our, our, our family, we did this pre pandemic, but during the pandemic, there was nothing to do. We would just go for a, a drive together, you know? All jump in whomever's car and go for a drive and grab like, you know, a coffee or something. And just that's what we would do to kind of like pass the time. And, you know, now we're right. My oldest daughter comes home one day and says, let's go for a drive. And I said, OK, great. Let's all pile into my truck and we'll go. But I go, I'm going to take it to the car wash and I'm only going to take it to the car wash. We get a little mud on it. So let's go. And we go to this farm area nearby. I go to this farm and there's all these, they're marked as roads, but these are, some of these are, are just trails really. And it had, we got a lot of rain in the mm -hmm. Northeast this year. It was really, really rough. And I knew that these were going to be right. super muddy trails, stock tires as you know, you know, red flag, mm -hmm. stock tires. Yeah. We got stuck in a mud puddle that was so deep. It had tadpoles living in it. It was so bad. In fact, there's a picture. Of my my trailer for my kayak is so low that I have a seven inch drop hitch, at which okay. it's just yeah. huge. And every every so often, I'll like you know come out of a driveway or something, and that 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 hitch will scrape. And mm -hmm. I use that as a guide, you know, for the most part. Now, you know, when I what I want to do with my trailer build is I want to lift the trailer up a bit, put bigger tires on get it, mm -hmm. the ground clearance a little bit higher so that I can increase, sure. you know, the ground clearance overall. Not that I'm planning on doing anything crazy, but I'll tell you, I started looking at the Vermont section of the, you know, those class four roads and it scared the shit mm -hmm. out of me. I'm like, so we yeah. got, we got stuck in this puddle and I was, I'm like, you know, I don't know. I started actually thinking about recovery gear. You know, it was a three hundred dollar recovery to have a guy with a tow truck. The the worst part was having him find us because, like, I was taking a screenshot of my location on my map and texting it to the driver so he could figure out where it was. He was afraid to get stuck where we were. Um, this one right. spot had the whole family were all stuck in the mud. Cost me three hundred bucks to get to get pulled out. <clears throat> but I immediately started thinking, like, what's the move? Winch, traction boards. You know, when, when the truck mm -hmm. came out of that puddle, what came up with it were a bunch of old uh, floor mats that people had tried to use as traction boards. Some of them have that textured yeah. bottom. Right. 
Right. And I'm like, that's not mm-hmm. a good idea. That's not a fail safe. Maybe I need to take a look at some of these things. As somebody who's done these yeah. class four roads in Vermont, and from what I understand, there's plenty of bypasses for a lot of this stuff that's pretty hairy. So, and I have no ego. Right. I will take the bypass. That's fine. I just want to get to that next area, right. that body of water, fish it, and then move on. What do you think the mm-hmm. the the number one piece of recovery gear that somebody should have if they're going to go and do this and attempt or potentially put themselves in a situation that might be sketchy? Yeah. Um, I would say uh, two things. I can't, I can't just say one. one. At least one good set of traction boards yep. can be very valuable uh, for several different things. Um, we actually wound up using them on the NEBDR. Oh, okay. Um, but the other thing that I would recommend anyone have is some sort of either a toe strap um, or a recovery rope or something like that. Gotcha. You know, as long as you find somebody else that can be right on the other side of that mud puddle, more than likely they're going to be able to pull you out. Gotcha. Um, and, and a lot of times it doesn't take as much as you would think. You know, it just takes yeah. just a little bit extra yeah. than what you have to get you out of something. Um, obviously winches are phenomenal. It's definitely something that I want to do eventually. Yeah. I would like to get, you know, some off-road, uh, bumpers front and rear and get, get a winch. It just, it's not in the budget right now. Uh, but I have, uh, really the, the NEDR is the first time I got stuck and couldn't get myself out. Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah, and, and and we were well, well into the NEBDR, and it came down to ultimately like a matter of a few hundred yards that we were not able to complete, and it was only because of the day. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned how wet it was. I know full well that we were up there, you know, in June. We actually left um, on Father's Day, and we were gone for 20 days again that my job i work four on four off yep so i can take uh two four-day shifts off take a total of eight days off and have 20 days oh there you go so i love that yeah and that you know i try and get one 20-day trip a year in only having to use eight vacation days so uh the guy that i went with is actually somebody that i met on instagram um, he found my channel as well and started talking mm-hmm. and, and it was also about the BDR. He was interested in the, in the mid Atlantic backcountry discovery route, yep. which we did the whole thing back in, um, 2021, I think. Yeah. 2021. Um, at that time we had the forerunner with the rooftop tent on mm-hmm. it. We were, you know, rolling on just the forerunner. And he was asking us some questions about about the MABDR, and I mentioned that we were planning on doing the, the NEBDR this year. And he's like, "Really? That's you know, that's what the one I was really wanting to do, but I was afraid it might be too much or whatever." And he's like, "Is there any chance that I could tag along with you guys?" Yeah, you know. And he had two kids as well. I said, "Sure." You know, so we started talking. We were driving pretty good, and so he wound up going on the trip with us, and it wound up being that. Uh, his uh, daughter decided to stay home for a softball tournament that oh, okay. ironically got rained out and canceled <laughs> after she decided to stay home for it. So she was pretty tore up about that. Yeah. 
but uh but yeah he has a uh tacoma yep um he has a let's see it's a trd sport yep i believe his is a 2017 um and the thing i really like about it is uh it's a manual uh which i think is awesome and he's he's got his built up fairly similar to mine he's got you know he's got a lift three inch lift on his he's got a little bit of armor underneath he's got some rock sliders but no winch yet he too you know has got that in the in his future plans but hadn't done it yet he has a rooftop tent on his uh um on his cover he's got a hard cover on the back and uh we you know we got into vermont and we were having no problems uh at all through the class four roads uh honestly for most of it we weren't even in four-wheel drive oh Um, i would go into four-wheel drive some kind of more as a precaution with the trailer yeah since i was pulling the overland trailer i built um, I wanted to just, you know, not lose my men- momentum if I could help it. But there were plenty of times that he would go through the same thing and two wheel drive no kidding. and not have any yeah. issues. So they're really, the class four roads were not that bad. I've done a lot harder things yeah. before and, um, really pulling the trailer is what kind of made it a challenge. Uh, yeah. without that, it wouldn't have been challenge at all but i actually i like pulling uh the trailer that i built um the trailer i'll I'll just tell everybody briefly uh what that is it's a four by six box and the box is two feet tall um and is sitting on independent uh axles timbering axleless suspension nice bolted on the side so i've got no axle going through there to limit my ground clearance and the uh, the tongue, I designed the whole thing from the ground up. And the uh, the tongue, it's a one solid piece that goes from the very back of the trailer all the way to the mm-hmm. front of the tongue. Uh, Two-inch tubular steel. And then um, I've got a rack on top of it. And I moved the rooftop tent back to the trailer. Yeah. And then the trailer itself in the box, I've got a slide-out kitchen. Um, yep. I've got the fire disc. Uh, that we cook on we've got a slide out for our dry good foods and we store our uh, awesome. bucket toilet system all that kind of stuff in there we have so much more that we're able to fit in that trailer yeah and save us space in the back of the forum exactly and with and, a family uh, you need I, that you do yeah you really do yeah i mean it's just so hard figuring out how to fit all that yep. into the forerunner alone so that that's helped tremendously and then at, at the time i built the trailer i still had the stock wheels on my forerunner oh, but yeah. i put the uh, 33 inch you know bf good wrench tires on there so i took that opportunity to upgrade the the wheels mm-hmm. on my forerunner and then i used the old wheels on the trailer so i was able to get the hubs that match the same wheel pattern yep. as the toyota so that all the wheels are interchangeable so that that brought the ride height up perfectly yeah you know the the tires are all exactly the same so i don't have a drop hitch at all yeah it's just a straight uh, line just a straight line yeah so i've got like 20 20 22 inches of ground clearance um under my trailer so it's it's awesome that's wild the the geometry worked out perfectly and i really i when we went out 
to uh, to Moab yep. and went out to Utah. I had actually only finished the trailer by a matter of a few days. Um, that what trip a way was to like test a maiden voyage. Yeah, yeah. We went six thousand miles on that trip, and I had literally almost <laughs> never pulled the trailer before. Um, so, and we wound up That's on trails amazing. that I didn't even plan to pull the trailer on, you know. Yeah. And we got into some pretty sketchy stuff, and I was just amazed with what the trailer could do. Oh yeah. Now, so when it came time to do the NBR, I felt I felt pretty confident in what it. could do yeah after moab i could definitely see where that confidence would come in um when when you guys go out and you do like some trail riding are you primarily like are you like base camping at all where you're gonna have a spot you're gonna drop that trailer everything's gonna stay you know all there maybe you're going with other people and there's tents and everything and you come back to camp Mm -hmm. or are you constantly on the move all the way through like i know that's like traditional overlanding um Mm -hmm. you know camping for a night leaving that next morning and moving to the next location the next place you sleep is totally different but there is something to be said about like that base camping have you guys gotten into that at all or experimented with it yeah, yeah, we've done a little bit of both. It yep. seems like um, the the style of traveling that we do, we generally are in a new place every night. Yeah, um, but that is one of the advantages of the trailer, depending mm-hmm. on the type of trip you're doing, and definitely for something like you're doing, where maybe your, you know, your focus is on fishing and yep. on one area. You know, you can set up base camp, you can set everything up, and then you can detach your your truck and you know if you need to run into town and go for a beer run or whatever do that yeah you know you've got that freedom and you can leave everything set up that was a big problem with having the tent on top of the car once we got the tent set up you're set you're standing you know even if you just realize that you just want to move a little bit you got to tear everything down to move so having the trailer that you can detach from is great for base camping and we've done that a little bit but most of the time i would say probably 80 90 percent of the time when we're going somewhere we're in a new spot every night yeah that's something that i want to toy with a little bit uh and go a series of days with different spots that i want to fish and i've it's actually the mabdr that kind of because that ends up further south. It ends up in that, like, northeast corner of Tennessee, doesn't it? We're, like, right at the border. Yeah, it's at the, the border of Tennessee and Virginia, uh, right in yeah. Damascus, Virginia. Yep. Which is, ironically, is only about an hour and 15 minutes from where I live. I oh, live no in kidding. southwest Virginia. No kidding, man. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, so we, we just had to drive down there, hop on the trail, and... I think it took us like 10 days to do the, the MABDR. That's kind of my... It's, um, trying to remember. I think it's a little bit over 1,000 miles. Yeah. That's, that's sort of my goal because I last year, um, this is a little bit more bougie, but my buddy and I did a fishing trip last spring. We went to Tennessee, the Chattanooga area, to fish uh, Lake Chickamauga. And it was just one of these, like, dream trips mm-hmm. we've always wanted to do. It was his first time on a bass boat. It was just, it was crazy. So we loaded up, and we we did mm-hmm. the drive. It was 15 hours, just all highway, like, overnight. We did it in one shot. Um, the next day, we had, uh, we fished all day, came back, you know, uh, we stayed in a tackle shop. 
um, they have lodging that's right up there. Nice. It was oh, it was, it was almost bad. We almost spent so much money because uh, <laughs> they have so much <laughs> nice stuff. So we we have this amazing trip, and and then as luck would have it, I have um, a family member that reached out to me and was like, you know, we just bought a vacation property in the Smoky Mountains. Like the next time you want to go to Tennessee, let us know. So that's kind of my goal is to start in Pennsylvania and make my way down there, try to find spots that I definitely want to hit, fish for a little while. And this might be a two to three week trip. You know, it might be Mm -hmm. something that I just take, Mm -hmm. take the time and plan it and do it all right and create a bunch of content. But we got to, we got to cross that bridge before we get there. I still have a bunch of stuff that I've got to do. Um, I do love the thought you put into your trailer. I think that is genius. My trailer's got to be a little bit more of a Frankenstein. I recently just, I was Mm -hmm. using a four by six platform, utility platform, and it was a little bit too small for what I wanted. I needed a little bit more width. So I went with a five by eight and this five by eight has small rails. It's, 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 it's a true utility trailer. I took the ramp off and I put, I have, when I say my kayak, that's a, very bad description of the vessel I'm using. My kayak weighs over 200 pounds fully rigged. Um, It's 13 Mm -hmm. and a half feet long. It's 41 inches wide at the widest point. It's a bass boat for one. And it's powered with my feet. I pedal it. You know? There's no motors, nothing like that. I love it. But it's too big for like, you know, car topping it easily without having to Mm -hmm. take everything Mm -hmm. apart. Um, so my goal with this trailer is to take and have it set so the, the kayak can ride dead center in the, in the trailer. I want to rig it with marine electronics so I can actually launch it like a boat and not have to take it off. And Mm -hmm. because it's got wheels and everything, I can just roll it right down if need be, but I'd rather take the stress off of those wheels and launch it like a boat from a ramp as often as I can. So I've got to keep that in mind and going too high with the trailer means I got to get that much further into the water. And my goal is to take a couple of these toolboxes like truck toolboxes and create a box that goes around the kayak. And that's where I'll store my all of my gear you know my camp stove my uh my kitchen stuff my everything everything that i could possibly need my camp tables you name it lanterns everything yeah all that stays in there and ideally i want to put a rack that goes above not too high but where i could put a second kayak the goal is that that queen beef will be running out with me and doing some of these someday knock on wood i doubt that's gonna happen we'll see (laughs) but yeah and and that's where that's I, i i love the thought that you put into it because i think that you got to plan a lot, you know, and, and having that ground clearance on the trailer, that can be super, super limiting, especially with a straight axle on most most trailers, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, that is just wild. I love it that you're using a fully custom rig. That's why. So, let, yeah, let's talk yeah. A, a little bit of fishing. It's just rewarding, you know? Yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. What, what were we saying? No, I was just saying, I, you know, it's to me, yeah, it, I'm not knocking anybody that goes out and, yeah. you know, buys a ready-built trailer. But yeah, exactly. it's so rewarding to me to go to these places in something that I built from the ground up, yeah. Yeah. you know, and seeing it go all these places and 
do things that people think trailers shouldn't even be able to do. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are fantastic, like like Patriot is a great company that makes amazing yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, Opus makes some really really great overlanding, like it, more off road style trailers. But like, right. you're a hundred percent right. When you can put your own spin on it and develop it and make it work exactly, or if you realize that something isn't working, then you can go back and tweak it. That's absolutely yeah. yeah. That's the way to do it, and I feel like there's a symbi uh, uh, like there's sort of a symbiotic relationship between overlanding and kayak angling because kayak angling is the same way. Like we're not molding mm-hmm. plastic to make our own boats, but we're entirely rigging them as if it's a game of mousetrap. Sometimes, sure, it's it's insane. Some of the things that I have seen in the kayak fishing world is is insane, and I mean you don't really see that kind of stuff in you know uh big boats or glitter rockets as we kind of call them because a lot of times that stuff is just too right. big of a of a, of a task to take on <clears throat> and really do you mm-hmm. want to go and cut up your hundred thousand dollar bass boat probably not <laughs> you know what i mean right but uh, right. you know I'll, I'll i'll you know take a drill to a a three thousand dollar kayak mm-hmm. you know yeah, I won't. I'll have my buddy that I went to Moosehead with. He's he's the guy. He's the yeah. guy. Yeah, that's amazing, man. So let's talk. Let, let let's talk a little bit about outdoors and fishing. What's your experience fishing? Um, man, is going out with my dad to mm-hmm. you know pond, local ponds and catching tons of bluegill and you know a couple of big mouth bass if you're lucky. Yep. Yep. Um, and I've also done a little bit of fly fishing, which is oh, something yeah. that I would love to do a lot more of. Um, fly fishing's really spoken to me, and also kayak fishing. You know, those oh, are two yeah. things that I would love to get into. Um, I actually have a fly rod that my wife got me for my birthday a yep. couple of years ago, and I've still yet to even use it, unfortunately, just because, you know, having the rods only – only the start of things, oh, you know, yeah. you got to get all the, all the flies and get, get the gear, you know, and it's just had so many things going on. I haven't been able to really get that built up yet, but that's, that's something I would love to do in the future. But yeah, other than just a little bit of fly fishing and then just, you know, mostly pond fishing or, you know, I'll try my hand uh, at fishing in the new river. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with the river at all, but that's real close to uh, where I live. Yep. And, you know, my problem is, is, you know, I can throw a line in the water, but I don't have the knowledge of what I'm really going after and what I need to be using to be successful. I hear you know? that. Yep. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. There's so much to learn and um, I don't really have anyone to, take me under their wing to so guide to you so it's just yeah 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 it's i mean luckily you know it's the same thing with like with me with overlanding like youtube university has been very very helpful but like <laughs> you got to be careful with like what you learn sure. on there because some folks it's not like you need a degree in education to be you know passing down information and there's some stuff out there that is just straight up opinion which is fine um but yeah, it's it, it's funny you bring up fly fishing. Last last December, I fly fished for the first time, and it happened to be the same trip. Whereas the first time I ever no, I wasn't. It was the first time I ever winter camped in my Forerunner. 
And we had gone mm-hmm. out. It was a really, really mild early December, but it was windy and so rainy. Great camping conditions. The best. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we had gone out to a spot nearby where we were camping with uh, somebody who would, like, you want to talk about a guide, like a Sherpa for me as far as fly fishing. We didn't get on any fish, but I learned some technique, and I realized something about fly fishing I had never known, is that there's sort of a a degree of of fishing techniques. And, like, I look at it as, like, a spectrum. You've got, like, power fishing, which is, like, loud, abrasive, you know, um, just bold presentations. So, like spinner baits and bladed jigs and buzz baits and these 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 baits that make a lot of noise and cause a disturbance and then you've got super right. on the, the the polar opposite you have what they would call finesse fishing which is more of the the subtle downsized presentation that kind of stuff and i learned something on that mm-hmm. trip and i was like you know fly fishing isn't the subtle style of fishing that i thought it was that i really thought it was it's very active it's a lot more like power mm-hmm. fishing. You're always, you know, that fly, you know, if you're if you're if you're throwing a fly that's floating on the surface, it's only got so much real estate before you've got to pick it up and then recast back into this other area because right. it might be going to a section of water where there's just no fish at all or there's a snag or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 very much like attention to detail and finding out or at least that's how I found. And then on the other side of it, to go to the extreme would be like big swim bait fishing. It's these guys that throw baits that are like 10, 12, 14 inches long, giant fish representations, and they throw it on super heavy gear. And you, I, w- I always thought that this was like much more of a power fishing type move. And in fact, what I learned is that it, there's a lot more nuance to that and a lot more subtlety to that than I previously thought. It was just kind of interesting. But, yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the nice thing is right. about, about fly fishing is that you can, you know, have your gear together, and then you can t- – any creek around that next turn could be, like, the fish of a lifetime. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, yeah. I believe that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, fly fishing gear is a lot more portable, you know, if you don't have to worry about – a boat and oh, yeah, especially yeah. maybe if you're willing to just get in the water and bypass the waders, you know, yep. you know, if you got you a, a, a vest you can wear with some of your gear and then your, your rod and you got a rod holder Oh yeah, for that, you're pretty much good to go. Well, and it, you can easily fit that in and know, even normal camping stuff. Absolutely. Even, even fishing, conventional fishing, like if you're fishing creeks and, and, and rivers, small rivers anyway and you're into wet wading yeah i mean 100 percent. you go out with a, a single rod and you know make it happen i love that kind of stuff because it is so minimalist but i can't get away from being in my kayak mm. with eight different rods <laughs> and like a full bag of like five <laughs> different tackle boxes every possible thing i could possibly need out there but what's wild is that fishing can be so much that's that's what i love so much about it is that i've said for a long time that fishing is uh basically a combination of one part science to one part art and where you land in the middle of that is your specific style. And I think that's such a, an interesting thing about this pastime. <clears throat> and then it, it leans into, I'm finding that there are more, especially tournament anglers. I will say this. I found like that, that kind of ride alongside that 
overlanding sort of space. You know, these tournament anglers that travel like, oh, you know, five, six hours away to be in an area and pre-fish a body of water for maybe two or three days before a tournament starts and then fish that tournament. I'm finding a lot of that. And that's sort of where my inspiration came for what I'm trying to put together and sort of extend this journey and, and visit more places and get more exposure and, you know. The other thing about fishing too is, and it's, I'm I'm sure it's the same way at the overlanding space and, and, you know, this can definitely be seen in the overlanding like meetups. Have you guys done any of those, those meetups? Yeah. Yeah, we have. I've, I've actually considered the idea of just organizing some just to like check out rigs Mm -hmm. because that's the geeky part of me. Yeah. But I feel like in fishing, there's that camaraderie that is, it's the same way with, with overlanding or truck camping or boondocking or whatever name you want to call it, you know? Um, and I just, I don't know. I just, I think that camaraderie is just, just huge. It's a, there's a big benefit there. Um, oh, absolutely. This is freaking awesome. So, so, and the other thing I wanted to talk about too, Joe, is that your, your content, I found that some of the best content, you said this, I don't even know if you were, you were necessarily thinking it, but I found that some of the content creators that I've spoken to that sort of start doing it for their own reasons, like to not for the reason of like, I'm going to put this out there so people can, you know, not to be a content creator, but more or less to be to collect sort of proof of their own journey. You know what I mean? So that they can look back and especially with you're doing this with your kids and everything. Like you're going to want to look back and see all of these things. It's like a photo album, really, you know, and your kids will be able to look back and see Mm -hmm. all this stuff, all these memories. That's a really, really, really good thing. We just had a guest on, on the show. Um, his name is Jeremy Seabolt and he's, he's again, a content creating family, um, the Seabolt squad and they go out and they bank fish. Um, Hmm. yep. Husband and wife, two kids, a boy and a girl, they go out and they, they all fit in their own spot and they go out and they, they make it happen. And that's kind of where it started with them is like creating this stuff so that they could see it. And then I guess uh, it was their their youngest son, Brantley, who was like, we should put this on TikTok, Dad. Let's do this. Let's start this up. Let's enter some tournaments, Dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how it begins, you know? <clears throat> but I think that, that right. you know, uh, the family element of what you guys have going on, too, is, I think, unbelievable. Because I I hear this on overlanding podcasts and stuff like people talk about their adventures going out with their kids and stuff you started your kids really really young with this so i i I would i would think that maybe there would be some sort of an adjustment for them but i mean as especially with your youngest five months in yellowstone or five months of age in yellowstone like he's got to be old hat at this like it's they've got to be totally comfortable oh yeah Uh, i mean my three-year-old's more uh more experienced camper than you know a lot of middle-aged men yeah. i mean yeah they they haven't known anything else that's awesome and you know when we had when we had our daughter our first child um we were a little more cautious yeah i guess we went on our first camping trip with her when she was about three months old yep um and then we went on our first trip with our second one when he was three weeks old we realized <sighs> that there's no reason to wait. Yeah. Um, it never gets any easier than when they're a newborn. Yeah. You know, as long it's as true. mom is healed up and can, 
you know, can ride in the car and get around, go, go for it. You know, yep. I mean, all they do is sleep and eat. So they're, they're awesome travelers. They're going to sleep 90% of the time you're in the car when they, you know, when they eat, stop and feed them, you know, yep. get them changed up and keep going. When you get somewhere, it's super easy, you know, to put them in a carrier and hike with them or, you know, sightsee, yep. whatever. Uh, when you get to camp, you don't even have to worry about them wandering off. You know, we just have yeah. like one of those bumbos or whatever. We set them in there, let them watch what we're doing, and they're there. You know, That's so awesome. And they can get the fire going, and they just can enjoy sitting around the fire. We feed them. Yep. You get in the tent, and, you know, I mean, you got to be careful with the whole coast sleeping and stuff, but oh, it's yeah. something we've been able to do successfully when we're out there. But there's never been an issue with, you yep. know, keeping them warm. They're snuggled in with us. And uh, they're comfortable and they're happy. Yeah. We're happy and, you know, get up and keep moving. So, you know, I would say to anyone that's thinking about doing something like that and they have yeah. kids, don't think they're too young because yep. they're, they're really not. And they can't be too young to do this. And then, you know, the longer they do it, the more they get the hang of it, the more they start to get the itch. And, you know, I mean, right now it's been like, you know, a little over a month since we've been anywhere, and our kids are just begging to go camping. Yeah, they're like, you know, let's they just go, want anywhere. To go on an adventure, as they call it. And uh, yeah, they they love it. You know, we're riding by, and if we're out late, they'll be like, "Dad, we need to we need to find a campsite." You know, or oh, that'd be a good campsite over there. You know, we'll stop at Walmart, and next thing you know, they're in the woods picking up sticks, trying to gather wood for firewood. You know, <laughs> that's amazing, man. Oh, they know that's all great. about it. So. That is freaking yeah. awesome. It's it's funny too because I've run into this before. We had a we've just recently had a conversation where all three of us were talking about family and fishing and how to engage them. Like I think that if you can, the younger the better. But again, with fishing, a lot of people, a lot of parents are like, oh, but there's hooks flying around and this is going to happen or such and such. And it's like, you know, they're probably going to be okay. You might just have to kind of watch them. And, mm -hmm. and everything else but and it's mm -hmm. it, it's funny like i mean i think that's every parent's story the first first kid comes along and you're like oh no no we're gonna be super cautious super careful and then you realize how hardy kids are you know and and, and you can like oh, yeah. you know you can actually do plenty of stuff so when you when you have your younger ones <laughs> you're like yeah we're gonna go out and do this it's a different sort of situation and i i dude i think mm -hmm. that is awesome that you've got them out that that young like and that they're that into it you know that's that's the yeah. way to go so have you guys thought about planning like the build for as they get older like what are your plans as far as your trips for when they get so older and it just you start running out of space to like you know all sleep in a rooftop tent or anything like that what are you guys right. thinking well what my plan is is uh, when they get old enough that they can be in their own tent i would like to get a smaller uh clamshell style yep uh, rooftop tent to put on the forerunner and put them in that and then we'll keep the big one for us there you go That's what i'm hoping we can do we'll still you know we'll still be close we'll be within oh yeah you know assuming the forerunners hooked up or within three four feet of each other um, but we can have some privacy they can have some privacy and we got more space exactly space is um, a premium they have some they have some rooftop tents on the market now that are only like four or five inches thick 
weigh less than a hundred pounds yep. and you can just you know throw it up there and it's literally just you know pop the straps and it just does like Opens this right up yeah you get in and you know and then it closes right down so it's like 30 seconds that's amazing to man. put it up or take it down it's so funny like so I, as soon as they can be in one of those i definitely want to get one and yeah. shove them in there so and climbing all over us all night kids love the idea of the rooftop tent because there, one there's a ladder so you have to climb up yeah. and you're up high on top of everything i understand kids absolutely loving that I don't think I'm yeah. necessarily ever going to go down that road simply because I'm well, I'm a bigger guy and you know the just the idea I'm getting older. I don't want to come down a ladder to be able to use the bathroom or anything like that. So what what you I've see, done that's your that's the first misconception. Oh really? Who says you got to get out to go pee? It's got a window, buddy. I mean whip it out and that's go. That's true. That is very true. It's next level right there. That that is that is true. Get out of your rooftop tent to go pee, you're doing it. But so what I've been doing is I have uh, uh, Deep Sleep Overland makes these mattresses that are hybrid air mattresses with foam, and they're the most yeah. comfortable things I've ever slept on. I have two of them, yeah. and I mean, I'm a little too tall to be able to sleep perfectly straight in one of these, so I have to sleep diagonally. So my wife and I are never going to sure. camp in here together. I'm actually considering right. the idea of picking up like something like a gazelle tent. But of, mm -hmm. of course, she mm -hmm. wants like the big gazelle tent that sleeps eight. <laughs> she wants to have like the Taj Mahal while we're camping. So I'm not sure that that's right. going to happen. But I mean, that's my plan is trying to get her out. My kids are much older. My oldest is almost 20. Uh, my youngest is a teenager now. And she is, they, you know, I, I told my wife, I said, if we ever do any kind of camping trips or anything like that, and it's two of us, I was like, the girls, they can just sleep in the forerunner. I'll have all that stuff ready to go. They can sleep in there. We'll have the Taj Mahal gazelle tent. We'll sleep in that with a couple of cots because right. we're old and I'm not sleeping on the ground anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. unbelievable, man. Yeah. Um, if you could, I'm going to actually twist this next question um, to try to get an overland spin on a, on, a, on a question that I usually ask most of our fishing guests. And it's, I want you to, Give me two mm -hmm. stories. I want to know. Actually, no, three stories. The first one, I want to know um, the story that, like, if you're at an event, maybe it's a meetup or something like that or, or a wedding, and somebody finds out that you're into this, what's that story that you're going to tell them that you're most proud of? Like, the one that comes to mind right away, that, like, five-second, that five-minute elevator pitch that you're just like, boom, this is the headline. What's that story that you're most proud of? And then the other story is the biggest... <laughs> that the epic fail because fishermen have plenty they the hardest part about that question is 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 picking just one i want to know what yours is the the i'll I'll, fall, well, I'll give you the third part after we get those those two stories okay yeah so i mean i think to me the the pinnacle of what we've done yep was our trip last year to utah yeah um we did sort of a big circuit of the whole state. Um, there's five national parks in Utah and we went to four of the five. The only reason we didn't go to the fifth is we had already been to that one on another trip. Oh, all right. And we just decided, you know, to focus our time on stuff we hadn't seen. Yeah. 
but when we got out there and and doing um hell's revenge which is probably the most iconic uh trail in moab yep when i when i got done with that when i was i was pretty proud pretty proud of uh us and we you know we did it as as a team i mean it turns out my wife is a phenomenal spotter and uh, we do really really good work with me driving and her spotting and um it took us so far out of our comfort zone it just put anything else we'd ever done to shame yeah you know off-roading the the angles that we were at you know the you're going up the side of a rock and all you can see is the sky out your windshield. Yeah. You can't see the ground. That's not um, funny. Then you, you're coming back down and you, you put on the brakes and the wheels are locked up, but they're still sliding down the rock, you know, because it's so steep. Jeez. Um, just seeing some of that and, and working our way through it and mm-hmm. getting done with it. And uh, and then we even did a another trail. It's called Top of the World. Oh yeah, and uh, it was very tricky trail that ends at a really iconic ledge. And you drive out on this ledge, and depending on how ballsy you are, is how you know close, <laughs> how you close get you're going to get yep. to the edge. And uh, that was easily the most scared I've ever been in a vehicle because I felt like I was in an airplane. You look out the windshield and, you know, you've got a several hundred foot drop in front of you. So you're looking at nothing but the, you know, the sky in front of you. You look off to the right and it's nothing but sky. And then there's just a little bit of rock, you know, on the, on the driver's side. And you have to go over a, um, a little crease in the rock yep. and it's uphill. So you dip down into this crack in the rock and you have to accelerate out of it and you're accelerating towards the cliff <laughs> and it is the sketchiest thing ever you know and i had this what? guy that i don't even know who he was yeah that was spotting me up to here you know so i'm putting my life in this guy's hands and inching my way up there and stopping and then you get out you know and take a picture and uh it's thrilling I, absolutely thrilling do you have cameras on your forerunner that give you that view of the front end as you're going like just as a reassurance no. like, there's oh my god dude i could not i couldn't do that yeah oh my god yeah. <laughs> that is wild <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll have to i'll have to send you the the pictures of that one yeah done it was it was amazing oh my it really god. was and it it you know, the trail was not super difficult, but yeah. there were a couple of really difficult areas. Sure, um, yeah. And just getting over that and then getting to that pinnacle, I mean, it, it was it's something I'll definitely never forget. Holy cow. Utah I can, is amazing. Yeah, I've, 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 I've heard just like out west in general for this kind mm-hmm. of stuff cannot be beat. Like there's so much BLM yeah. land and... Like just, just it's it's endless. I the Southwest just in general. Like, I mean, I I told a buddy of mine. I said, I said to my buddy, I said, I think you and I need to go to Death Valley, in the in the winter, and just camp. Maybe yeah. maybe go and explore a ghost town. You know, and, right? And see what it's all about. You know, and I mean, I can only imagine like that ledge because I see videos where people are doing this and there's you know a, a pass 
that will go. This was one in Colorado that I had seen. And this guy was, you know, coming along this one road that goes up along the side of this mountain. He gets up to this peak. But just the road up there, you look over and there's just gorge. Like there's nothing, mm-hmm. just empty space mm-hmm. right next to you. And I'm like, you know, I mean, I got a good feeling. I trust this truck. I, I know where the wheels are. I know where the bumpers are. I don't know that I could do that. That is intense. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So what about the epic fail? Okay. Well, the the first thing that comes to mind is going to be on that mini BDR uh, that we were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we went through Vermont and we did all of the, uh, the class four roads yep. and we had no issues. Some of them were pretty muddy, um, but we rolled right through. It was actually pretty funny. We were, we were stopped at one of the covered bridges and, you know, a rig like mine and a rig like my buddy Tyler's, they draw some attention, yeah. you know, from the from the locals. Yep. And they're covered in mud, of course, and everything. And this guy's talking to us, and we're telling him about what we're doing, and he had never heard of the NDBDR. And we told him um, some of the roads we'd done. And he said, those are class four roads. He said, you weren't doing those. He said, you weren't pulling your trailer through that. And you're like, like, yeah, we were. You yeah, know, we he, did. he didn't believe us. Like, just Aww. wait for the video you know but uh we got through that no problem we got through new hampshire i believe at this point we're in maine yep and uh we had one section i don't think they call them class four roads in maine that seems like it's just a a vermont thing Mm -hmm. but we're on you know just an off-road uh trail is it's dirt and there's one hill that's pretty darn steep you know i don't know exactly what the grade was but it was probably i would say 20% 20% grade, maybe a okay. little more. Pretty, Pretty steep. steep. Yeah. And it's got a couple of uh, couple of washes, you know, uh, rain bars cut in it. All right. And it's pouring rain while we're trying to do it. And it has rained for like two days solid. Yeah. And it was, the, the dirt had just turned to soup. Yeah. You know, so I'm trying to go pulling this trailer up the hill and I got stuck. You know, we got stuck early on we got the traction boards out the traction boards were enough to get us going again that's good and we got over that first hill and then we got to the to the bigger part of that main that main hill yep and i just could not quite get up it you know we tried uh, we tried the traction boards and tried a couple things and i got maybe a third of the way up and i said all right i think we can do you know better than that so we backed up got the traction boards positioned differently made sure um i had everything you know i'd aired down i was in four low um had the a track on had the diff lock on yep and i gave it one more go and i got like three quarters of the way up and it was one that last that first rain bar when you're coming down yep and i got my front wheels over it but i could not get the back wheels over it and we, we stopped and we tried the traction boards, but it was just not enough to get going. Yeah. Yet. And um, I felt really bad for my wife and my buddy because, you know, they were standing outside in the rain. I mean, just sloppy, yep. muddy, you know, trying to get me going. And I was in front, so I had to get up before he could. And, uh, and they're like, I think, you know, you're going to have to try it again. And I'm looking back and I'm like, I got to back this trailer down this hill in the mud and backing a trailer does not scare me. I've done no, it enough. Yeah, yeah. It's not a big deal. 
but doing it in the mud is a whole nother story exactly. you know, because you start sliding and you might as well be on ice. I can't control the trailer if I can't control where the vehicle's going. Yeah. It'd be so easy to jackknife the trailer and I'm still sliding backwards, you know, and there's nothing I can do. Yep. So I'm like, guys, this is not going to be fun if I back this thing down. And I said, if I back it down and get, get off this hill, I'm not trying it again because there is a chance we could make it, but there's also a pretty decent chance that I won't. And I'm like, I'll cheat death once, but I'm not going to cheat death. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. So I start backing down and I mean, I am really, really taking my time uh, with this and, and the, the truck sliding a little bit, but I'm able to keep everything under control. That's good. I get down. There's a little bit of a curve at the bottom and I start backing the trailer into the, into the woods a little bit so that I can get turned around. Oh yeah. And, uh, I backed it just far enough that I'm mired up in the mud. Um, oh. and at this point it's flat, but I'm mired up, yeah. you know, and I started trying to pull forward and it just couldn't go anywhere. You yeah. know, I have completely, um, nearly up to the axles in mud and, uh, it's just, oh. it's just not working out. So my buddy's behind me and we have, you know, he doesn't have the winch either, but like, uh, like I said earlier, I have the, uh, the toe, um, strap. toe strap Yep, and we had the traction boards. So he hooked up to me and the plan was he was just going to help pull me around and get me back on the road. And we we're going to turn around and, and bypass that one little section. And, um, I got most of the way turned around, but I got going off the, uh, the left side of the road and I dipped into the, the ditch on the other side. Yep. Oh no. And then he was, you know, he didn't have that much traction. So he started sliding immediately and he slid off the road on the other side, oh. right at a culvert of a Creek. Oh my God. And he God. got half of his truck sideways off of the, the side of the road and he's now sitting at you know probably a 30 degree angle sideways um with his you know driver door looking in that creek and uh i think he needed a new seat at that point and now he had his five-year-old son in the car and now it really felt like we were you know we were in a bad spot there because no one's around i mean it is super remote there the likelihood of anyone trying to come through there was slim to none. Jeez. We didn't have any cell reception. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I tried really hard not to, um, not to get too worked up about it. Sure, so yeah. I, let's just take our time. This is not the time to, you know, do anything else stupid. Let's take our time and get this worked out. And, uh, so I left my rig where it was. We concentrated on his. And, um, at that point, he had not aired down his tires oh, okay. um, because for most of the time we just hadn't needed to, it was, yep. you know, it's most of the BDR is so much, uh, variance uh, between dirt, gravel and yeah. pavement that it's just not worth it. You know, you, by the time you air down, you're, you're fixing the air right back up. Yep. You know, you're going to hit the pavement again. And it's one thing when you're doing sure enough off-roading, you need to do it for the traction. For sure. A lot yeah. of times people are just doing it for comfort. Yeah. You know, oh, just yeah. so it's a little bit of a smoother ride. And I would just, I would rather have a little bit of harsher ride than, um, have to stop. Then have to be constantly airing up, airing down. Yeah. But we, um, 
this was one of the times where we we needed to be aired down for traction purposes. So we got them aired down. We utilized his traction boards, my traction boards, and we were actually it was it was sketchy enough that me and my wife were both on his upper running board holding onto the roof rack and leaning out trying to give weight leverage. down yeah. the side that was you know still on the road and just and we backed him up ever so slightly and got him back onto the road um, under his own power with the help of the traction boards oh that's good so once we had him back on the road that was you know the first win and after that we we disconnected the trailer yep and with him firmly on the road we were able to pull my rig back out yep uh, of the ditch where you know my front driver's side had dropped down in we were able to get it back up on the road and then we were actually able to get the trailer it was still light enough um, that we were able to get it turned around and centered back up in the road went back up and hooked back up to it and we had to tuck our tail between our legs and drive back out oh yeah but uh, it, it took about four hours total from trying to get up that hill um twice not being able to do it you know get turned around getting stuck getting his rig stuck and then yeah. getting everybody out i mean the kids they did they all did amazing but yeah. you know they were getting really anxious oh i bet wanting to get out and you know wanting food want this one that we just couldn't really give them any attention yeah and uh at one point like when uh when my buddy's rig got on the side of the hill we actually we took his son out and put him in our vehicle. It was yeah. like, just one of those things like probably not going to roll the truck, but the possibility is there, you know, Better, it's a real yeah. enough possibility yeah. that he doesn't need to be in the car. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. So Better they, to did, have him they safe. did awesome. We were able to put my wife had, yeah, my wife had a show downloaded, you know, a Netflix show on there. Yep. So we put the phone up in there and they just watched a movie, let us do our thing. And um, we got back out of there, and as, as disastrous as it was, as muddy and nasty as we were, yep. it was honestly one of the more fun days I'd ever had, just because it was the first time I'd really gotten stuck in something I couldn't get out of, and I had to turn back and got stuck. You know, every piece of recovery gear that we had got used. Yeah, you know, we had soft shackles. I had a I had a, a tree saver that we were using as the bridle. Yep. We had uh, all four of our traction boards out there. I mean, we you name it, we wow. had it, and we or we used everything we had, and we got out. Nobody got hurt, no rigs were harmed, and That's you awesome. know we had nothing but good memories from it. And just you know, even though it was a bit of a failure, it still felt really good. At the end, to it was a win. Get ourselves out of that situation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. that's wild, man. Yeah. All right, so noted, noted. We're gonna do a, a decent toe strap, probably a soft shackle, and some traction boards. Good. Yeah, we're gonna. That's yeah. that's at least two. Mm. Four is even better. Yeah, four is even better. Yeah, they they do work. I mean, that we because yeah. that smaller hill, um, we would not have gotten up it had it not been for those, and then. You know, it's one of those things. If you if you're having an issue with clearance on a rock, you got a rock yep. ledge or something like that, and you're afraid you're going to hit your bumper, you can use those things as a bridge. You know, and sort of help yeah. lower yourself down off of them, um, or soften something out, stack them up to get over something. If you're 
if you're sleeping inside your vehicle and you want to level, level it up it some or That's, whatever. I've heard that too. You know, you can you can roll a wheel up on that, or you can use them as chocks. You mm-hmm. can, if you have a high lift jack, um, you know, and you need a base to keep your high lift jack from you, you know bottoming out you mm-hmm. use it for that. You can get creative and, and use it for a lot of the different things. That's good to know. That gives me a little sense of uh, – because I'll, I'll bet you if I had traction boards, I probably could have got out of that mud hole on my own. I probably yeah. could have because it didn't take much once we had the 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 winch from the tow truck on. It didn't take a whole sure. lot. But, yeah, that is wild. So now in perfect jigs and bigs fashion, this last question is about food. <laughs> I want to know what's your favorite meal to make at camp. All right, so if we're talking nighttime, it's going to be street tacos. Street tacos, beautiful. Yep, I have a I have a fire disc. Yep. Which uh, I don't know if you're familiar with those, but it's like a 22 inch disc. Is it kind of like um, a scottle? Like walk. Yes, it is like a scottle. Yeah. Uh, it's like a scottle on steroids. Oh, gotcha. It's a lot bigger, and it's got sides on it. The sides are about three inches high. And I've seen those. And it'll five gallons of water. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, you can do so much with those. Yeah. And um, the way it's designed, you know, it's got that little bit of a curve to the bottom. Yep. Your hottest is right there in the middle, and then it just, you know, gets a little less and less as you get out towards mm-hmm. the towards the edge. So, you know, you, you start cooking your um, your vegetables first and you get everything sauteed and you just push them out to the outside. Yep. And you start throwing your meat on there, get that going, and then we'll add, you know, just keep adding stuff and then bring oh, everything yeah. into the middle. And they have this big spatula that they call the um, the cooking weapon. Oh, yeah. It's just it's almost like a shovel, you know, and it's got like a 20-inch handle. And you use that thing and just cook everything up. And then when you're almost done, you throw your tortillas on there on the edge. Yep. And you get them blackened up a little bit. Oh, yeah. Man, that's some good eat. Some really, yeah. really good eat. Yeah, I could definitely get behind that. I could definitely get behind yeah. that. I do. Uh, and I also love cooking me some breakfast on there. Oh, me, yeah. That's yeah. my go-to. I, I, love, I yeah. love breakfast. I usually tell everybody, I'm like, if I'm camping with you, I'm like, I got breakfast. It's all good. Mm-hmm. And I came up with a great way to do a breakfast taco that if you're feeding a crowd is awesome. Like I, yeah. I use, yeah, so I, I have a, a 12 inch cast iron skillet that I use pretty much for almost everything. I, I have a Dutch oven right. that, I, that I use as well, um, too. Um, but that, that cast iron skillet is my go to. So what I'll do is I'll add like, you know, some, uh, what I found is, the key is to use canned diced potatoes because they'll keep and you're not starting with raw potatoes so they don't have to cook nearly as long so i'll drain those and i'll start those in the pan i'll add some uh some some sausage or whatever you know the protein is that i want to use i actually i recently did uh them at home just to try it out with some maple spam Nice. It was great. It was great. <laughs> um, so I, yeah. I I add the meat, and then I'll add, like, you know, some peppers, cook those down, soften those up, some onions, things like that. And then I'll just add a bunch of eggs. I usually add, like, two eggs per person. Um, 
and then once it's all kind of like starts coming together and I've scrambled the eggs together, I'll cover it with cheese and then just take it right off the burner. And I've got a handful. I'm one of these these folks that's like two is one, one is none. So I have for cooking, I actually have three different stoves that I use, four different stoves that I use, um, depending on what the situation calls for. Like I've got one that I can burn wood in. Um, okay, so five different stoves that I use. I've got uh, one, one is like a small solo stove. Right. So if I don't have fuel to use, I can use whatever natural uh, resources I've got, whether it be leaves or twigs, you know, anything like that. Wood, I can burn that. I also have burned wood pellets in there. Sure. It works well. And I keep a sterno right. can as a backup. So mm -hmm. if I have to, mm -hmm. I've got that. I have uh, right. uh, a little, um, it's a GSI little backpacker stove. Um and it runs off of what right. I, I saw right. isopropane, I believe. I've got uh, a, uh, a white gas. Isobutane. Isobutane, that's what it is. And then I've got uh, an old, my, my, old, my old man gave me this, and this thing is awesome. It's from the 60s. It's an OG Coleman white gas stove. And this is the newest mm -hmm. one that I put into the mix. And I was like, well, this is super flexible. Like, I could burn any, I could burn gasoline if I needed to in this. Right. You know, yeah. so, so that's a yeah. good option. And then the other one that I have is good old propane. I bring out, because again, fishing, um, I picked this up for doing fish fries. It's basically like a mini turkey fryer. And what I'll do is I'll put that on a table or on the okay. ground, and my cast iron skillet will fit right in there. So I bring a 20-pound uh, propane mm -hmm. tank with me and pop it on the trailer. And what I'll do is I'll right. then I'll take all this stuff out. Then I just leave that 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 flame going, take some tongs, and just like you're talking about with the tortillas, heat them up real good, get a little char on them. Pop them off to the side, wrap them in a towel, and then everybody just serves themselves, grabs a tortilla, spoons up some of the filling, and these these tacos are out of the, out of this world. If there's a uh, there's yeah. a, a video on uh, uh, on the Jigs and Bigs Instagram, um, it's just like a 15 minute long thing that I had posted up as a series of bunch of TikToks and reels from that trip at Moose, right. and that's where I was like, this is a great idea. This I should do this for breakfast more often. The key yeah. is. After that yeah. comes off with the filling, that cheese just melts perfectly, and it, you almost come up with a clean pan. It's that skillet is out right. of this world. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I can get into street tacos. Yeah, though. that's awesome. So, what part of uh, what part of Maine was uh, Moosehead? Like? Moosehead is is technically they. I guess it would they would call it the south, uh, not the southwood, the north woods area of yeah. Maine. Yeah, it's. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm trying to think. It's it's a little further north than Bangor, and okay. you you drive into town up in in uh, in Greenville, and then to actually access the lake, it's all logging roads. So it's all actually. You know what I'll do? I don't want to say the 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 spot where we were exactly because you know how it is with this dispersed camping stuff. It's just like fishing yeah. spots. You know, too many people know about it, yeah. and then shit happens. I'll send you the yep, cove yep. where we were. If you guys want to go up there, it is out of this yeah. world. It's, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, because when we finished the NEBDR, mm -hmm. my uh, my buddy had to go home. But that, the NEBDR ends at the corner of New Hampshire, Maine, and Canada. And Canada, yep. So, but that's 
you know, that's down on the south uh, west corner yep. of Maine. I plotted a route that basically went clockwise all the way around the perimeter of the state of Maine. Oh. And I wanted to go to the northernmost point of Maine. Yep. Just to say I'd been there. Oh, you know, yeah. I felt like that was just something I needed to do. So, and that's in the North Maine Woods, a place called Escort Station. Oh, yeah. There's not a whole lot about it because there's nothing really up there. Yeah. There's like, turns out it's deserted at this point, but there's uh, like three houses that are in America, and the only road to access it is coming out of Canada. Unless you're going up the uh, the logging roads to the North Main Woods. Oh, really? But if you want to drive there on pavement, you cannot do it staying in the United States. you got to get there through Canada. No kidding. But we went up. Uh, we filled up in a town called Jackman, Maine. Yep. And uh, that's on the western side of the state, sort of central. And I knew it was going to be pretty remote um, I had a six-gallon gas can that I had filled up as well. Mm-hmm. So I had all the fuel that I could haul, and we headed into the North Main Woods, and um, we drove for two days and saw three cars. And we finally got up to Escort Station, yep. and um, it was confusing and a little sketchy because, I mean, we were at the border – but it was kind of unclear where the border even was. There was no physical barrier oh, yeah. between the U.S. and Canada. Um, and we were just driving through a field, and we wound up, like, in a Canadian dude's backyard. Like, if we had gotten onto the road that he lived on, we would have been in Canada. We heard some horror stories about, you know, crossing over into Canada. They don't. They take that pretty serious now. Oh, yeah, 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 they do. So we wound up walking the last hundred yards or so and got to that point, took our picture and started heading back. And the route back where we were going to go to Fort Kent um, to fill up because of all that rain that they were having, the roads were washed out. Oh, I believe that for sure. Places where, you know, you'd have a 10 foot washout. There's no way to get across. And, um, sitting there on Gaia Maps trying to, you know, figure out how to get around it. Yep. And we did that twice and uh we almost ran out of fuel up there. That's we uh, we had to use our six gallons. There's no self service. You know, like I said, we only saw three people in a twenty four hour span up there. Yeah. It's and, remote. Uh, I wasn't really sure what we were gonna do if we hit another washout. You know, I said, I think we're going to have to go back to Escort Station and try and get a hold of Border Patrol somehow because you could see a gas station in Canada. Yeah. We were that close to civilization, but there's wow. no way we could legally go there. But we That's did crazy. finally make it out, but we drove 300 miles between gas stations and it was nothing. It's so funny. Absolutely. I was I was just listening today to an episode of Budget Overland. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm actually I'm, I'm I keep going back and forth with Benji. I want to try to get him on this show, and I, I'd love to get on Budget Overland and talk about my weird uh, relationship with overlanding. But they've got a yeah, guest on right awesome. now. They've got a guest on this week's episode, Cody Allenbaugh, and he did a trip 
32 days. I think he's from, I want to say Oklahoma, and he drove up to Alaska and then back. Mm-hmm. And which is like a dream trip. I think that's me. And he went in the summer and he was he was saying, he goes, when you get into Canada and I never realized this, I never thought about this. But he says on that show, he goes, um, the thing a lot of folks don't realize about Canada is that there are more people that live in California than there are that live in the entire country of Canada. Which when you think about the demand for things like gas and like the way he drove up, he was like. You got to be able to be able to handle 400 miles, you know, so I, I guess he was I think he's he's in a Tacoma. So he's probably got like an 18 gallon tank, I think, or something like that. And he said he's good for about 300, yeah. 320 miles on a full tank. Uh, but he carries 10 gallons on top of that because and he says if if it's in the early afternoon and you see a gas station, even if you're at three quarters of a tank. You got to stop and fill up, and make sure everything is full. Definitely. Yeah, I. It's yeah. it's it's really it is dicey. You know, it it is crazy. Mm-hmm. That's wild, Joe. This has been fantastic, dude. I'm I'm so glad we did this, and I know that like our listeners are gonna enjoy hearing your experiences and your because that's what it's all adventure whether it's catching you know dragons from under the water or it's you know ripping your quarter panels off a bunch of rocks in utah (laughs) like it's like it's still an adventure and i think that's what people want here do me a favor if you could if you have a picture like of of all of you in front of the rig or anything like that anything that you use like for promotion send it over to me so that i can use it for the cover artwork for this episode absolutely awesome yeah this was fantastic yeah. dude i really appreciate it this is awesome i have to head home <laughs> to my, <laughs> right. i got done with my event i'm so glad we did this though this is fantastic yeah um yeah, I, me too i'll shoot you a message when it runs if you want me to okay. send you a, a version of it of just the interview because i can't promise that the show is going to be clean if you want the kids <laughs> to be able to listen to it i'll send you an mp3 yeah. of just the interview okay all right yeah, I'd love to hear the whole thing. I'm, I'm, I'm excited, man. Awesome, dude. Appreciate it. I appreciate you, man. We'll be in touch. We'll talk some more, I'm sure, because I'm, I know yeah. I'm going to have more questions. But uh, absolutely, you well, have a good one, dude. Happy to, happy to answer any of them. And good to finally talk to you. Absolutely, dude. You have a good one. We'll be in touch. All right. All right. Sounds good. Take care, bud. All right. Bye bye. You know, there's one thing that that interview definitely provided me with is a sense of I'm not that much of a complete fucking moron when it comes to off-roading because of uh, my mishap with the family over this last summer. Getting stuck in that puddle with all those uh, tadpoles swimming around my tires. Yeah, don't feel like much of as much of a jackass after talking with Joe about this, but it, he does have me thinking about picking up some recovery gear before I go out on some of these other longer journeys that might find me in some situations. Um, especially that story he was telling about the NEBDR and, and uh, when he was up in Maine. That was intense. Uh, very, very, very intense. And to be out there with your kids in that situation, man, holy fuck. I can't believe it. So got me thinking about a lot of that stuff, guys. But um, 
Awesome to have Joe on. We're going to have him uh, on uh, in the future as they do more and more stuff, you know, traveling around the country. And, uh, of course, if I find my way down there, we're going to go ahead and, uh, and and connect. We'll probably do a little camp out, too. I might I might even get him on some fish. That could happen. Mm. You know, that's that, that could happen. Here, we'll do a little catch and cook, and we'll make it a thing. Use this fancy freaking overland and cookery rig. <laughs> Wild. Let's talk... Before we wrap this show up, Sean the Fisherman attended one of uh, my trivia nights, which is not rare. He pops in periodically uh, at a a local to him uh, establishment, popped in this week. And uh, of course, you know, we've mentioned this in segment one on the show. This is Big E season, you know, fair season Um, that decimates this one specific establishments draw on the weekends just based on the traffic alone it's tricky i don't know if you noticed this sean but in the the dining room in the regular dining room in there it was super slow and i figured i figured as much i didn't poke my head in there though in the like the the parking lot was like you could easily find a spot easily and then any other other busy weekend night like when i'm normally there it's not so easy, you know. There's you'll you'll, you'll find one, but you got to look, you know. And um, here it was a different animal. So I went into this trivia night, kind of. What I do at this time of year is this: I go in and instead of setting up my equipment to do my show, I leave the cart with all the stuff right in the middle of the room, and I let it be, and I wait until we see if we have enough teams for me to make it worthwhile for the staff to be even in there doing a game. And I usually give it till about 7.15 before I start kind of thinking about what's up. And at 7.30, I call it if it's not going to happen. Well, um, where was there was one table that was in there when I arrived. I asked them if they were going to hang out and play. They were like, yeah, not tonight. We got in here about an hour ago. We're done already. You know, we're probably just going to call it a night. Then we had another team come walking in. They sat down and they asked me, they're like, oh, are you going to do a game? I said, I'm not sure. Then Sean comes in and I was just like, okay, well, now we got two. All right, that's good. And even you came in, Sean, and we're like, are we doing a game? What's going on here? And I'm like, ah, we'll see what happens. I'm basically just looking for three teams and this one other team that plays as a group of individuals. They play regularly. But again, like just because they're playing as four different devices, that's not enough. I'm not going to do one game for them to have one table. I got to make it worth it for the establishment. That's the business I'm in. So we're sitting there waiting. So I got one, two, and then who comes in? But some favorites. Um, Sean and Caitlin. Um, now we know Sean and Caitlin. We actually know Caitlin from um, a, a, another establishment where I used to host trivia, where Sean would periodically pop in. She was uh, employed at this place and has since left there. And uh, Sean is her boyfriend. And Sean is, uh, well, Sean is is uh, one of the owners of a establishment that we've made use of a couple of times in the Jigs and Bigs history. And that's Bass Cabin. So mm-hmm. we are familiar with these this couple. Like they're they're sort of in the jigs and big circle, and they're they're awesome. We love them. They're great. Um, I would say that they're 100 characters, and I appreciate them for that. You know, so uh, they come in, and there's my three. I'm like, okay, so if this other table comes in, that's just gravy. But I'm like, I got the three different tables that are there. I've got Sean, I've got Caitlin and Sean, and then I've got this this other table that came in. Prestige Worldwide was the team name. And, uh, you know, 
was it, I think Sean, was it your suggestion? You're like, well, hey, if it's only going to be like a small amount of teams, can we do like a weird ass game with like fucking crazy bonuses at the end and fucking all kinds of crazy shit? I believe my suggestion was, can we gimmick this thing the fuck up? (laughs) Exactly. And that's what we did. In fact, I said, well, I got a couple of rounds. And Caitlin had reminded me of a time where we had a crazy snowstorm. And, you know, Bobby Roast Beef never cancels. He never cancels. And she says to me, she's like, yeah, do you remember we did that, 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 that round? And I think it was like sexually transmitted diseases or something like that. And I said, you know, I have... I have some really, really good content that I can use that's like that. I said, let me look around and see what I've got. And uh, I said, we'll do that. We'll do the crazy bonuses and everything else. And then this other team rolls in. I was like, okay, we got a game. Let's do it. So I go and I start putting together this round of, uh, of trivia. We start out We start out with some general knowledge. We get into our first bonus opportunity. We give, we give some bonus points away. We come back with our buzz in round. And I forget, did, did I even do a music round? I did. I did the music round from that wedding, didn't you did I? Wedding. Yeah, yep. it was the wedding. It was the round I had been using all week long. It was really, really fun, good. And um, I think we did, I think we followed that up with general knowledge right afterwards. Yep. And, and that was kind of business as usual. Then we did a bonus. I just did a straight up like 50 point nearest wins at the very end or something like that. Or 50 points in like the middle of the game. I was like, yeah, we're not going to do any crazy lightning round. Nobody's got to drink anything weird. Nobody's got to throw like a ring toss on a dildo or anything like that. Nope. It's going to be fine. We just gave away some points. And then we came back and we did a fun little round. So I was wrestling between two different rounds. I had one round that was called titties. I had another round lined up that was called STDs. And the problem was, was that the titties one was a buzz in style round and I needed a keypad round, which is what the STDs uh, round was. Now we had that team prestige worldwide had, they had won uh, the first bonus that 50 points put them up in first place with a sizable lead. And then we did a handful of general knowledge questions afterwards. And then we went to the STD ones and, or did I do it the other way around? Did I lead with the STDs? No, I think I did general knowledge first. STDs were the, uh, the finisher were the, yeah, the icing on the cake. So (laughs) we started with the, yeah. And come to find out prestige worldwide. Um, one of these fine individuals is an educator, uh, in a local, uh, school department, and uh, that that individual's primary source is health. So, uh, needless to say, they cleaned house on this for the most part. Wait a minute! They now did you're, pretty now fucking you're, That's well. a little no. What was the what was the point split between me and them? Because I got a lot of VD questions. <laughs> you did get a lot of VD questions, but I can tell you, I can actually. Is, let me just call up the report and see what I got. Oh here. boy. Yeah, I want let's, to see the percentage. Let's, let's go through the report. Well, there, you're not going to get anything like that, but let's see. We got the <laughs> 24th. Do, 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 was it the 20? What, what day was that? Today's 24th, 23rd, 22nd. It was the 22nd. That Why didn't that report fucking stay? All right, so there's no report for that. This is why I fucking hate this shit. Yeah, there's no report <laughs> for it. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, but uh, he, they did very well. Uh, and when, I'm not saying that you didn't get the questions. 
they got a lot of speed bonuses. And they built up a really, oh, yeah. really good fucking lead. Um, a lot of that came from the fact that they started out with such a good lead in the in the early uh, start of round number two because of that 50-point bonus. But when we got to the end and I said, okay, we're doing 100 points, they got nervous. They got crazy nervous. They're like, no, 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 don't do that. We're never in first place. You can't do that. This team is uh, a term that I like to use to 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 bring the point home at trivia. This team is what I refer to as unfucking touchable in first place. That meant that they had a 100 point lead over the second place team. Untouchable. That's like next level shit right there. They yep. killed it. Now, Sean had a different experience because she was sharing a table with um, two other teams, uh, Caitlin and Sean, they play as individuals as well. So Caitlin plays as Bed Bath and Beyonce, and Sean plays as what he called uh, what is it, conversation we were having about snakehead fishing. His team is called Snakehead, and I called him all night long Snakeed because <laughs> <laughs> I am a degenerate fuck. Um, so Sean, what was your experience like? Well, because we had such a small crowd. I kind of went out on a limb and first off, usually I have a team name that I sit with that I have a laugh with. I have some pictures and funny little voice, funny little clips to go with. Oh yeah. I changed my, I changed my name to three words. I'm currently masturbating just to hear you say it 50 times oh, yeah. when I got questions right. Yep. And then, uh, Lisa um, loved that by the way. She was like, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> and with another right question, I'm currently masturbating, said Bobby Roseby 40 times. Um, <laughs> so we had some fun with that because it was a small crowd and we knew everybody. But I had never sat at a table with with um, Caitlin and Sean before. And they had a few drinks and um, progressively got a little more insane as the night went on. It was pretty funny. It just I wasn't ready for it. And uh, I had a blast with them. But it was to one, one point, Sean screamed very loudly during the chaos of the STD round because everyone was getting ready to vomit. God damn it. I just keep answering H to everything, hoping for herpes. That's right. <laughs> so Sean thinks every STD is herpes, not me, Sean, Caitlin's boyfriend. We, we, uh, that was, we should also say that uh, the STD rounds was a picture round. Oh, it was so gross. Yeah, it was oh, a picture was round. <laughs> so gross. Um, and it was a fun night, man. I mean, like because it was so loosened up and because there were all the sorts of wacky bonuses and bullshit going on, that was probably one of the most fun nights of trivia I've had at that place because oh, yeah. it was just it was there was no rules. It was Vietnam. It was great. So I had a blast. Friday night was hilarious. And all honestly, right. just to put a just to put a cap on it. Yep. I I had a blast all week with all this fishing that I've been doing. Oh yeah. I've really I've really gotten be. back into my groove with this shit. I knew you would. It's, it's uh, it's good. Yep. These these month long multi species, and you know, I got a little side thing going on with uh, off the books with some other people. It's fun. It's I'm 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 not restricted to fishing, where I have to fish or where I'm told to fish, and yeah, and I've been doing that for a couple of years, and it's just been driving me nuts. It's taking the fun out of it. You know, I go out in a kayak because I don't want to go to places with a boat ramp because there's fucking jet skiers. Yeah, exactly. I don't want I don't want to deal with that shit. And now I'm able to do that again and still compete. And yeah, it's at a it's at a less competitive level. And I'm fine with that. I'm so fine with that. Yeah. I'm happy to do it. I I'm telling you, I I, I drove home today completely soaked. Caught a dozen fish. None of them counted for any tournaments. 
man, I was jamming to Grateful Dead live in, uh, was it live in Europe, 72? Yep. Uh, China Cat Sunflower. Just bopping through the car, man. That's how I want to leave the water every day. You remember that time? Oh God, this goes back a while. This was 2020. I think you and I fished. I'm going to throw the pond out there just because it'll probably jog your memory. Actually, I don't have to. No, we fished this one pond. And we were coming back and like something ran out in front of the road. It was like, and I, I think it was like a, a dude's like small dog, like a chihuahua or a poodle or something like that. We stopped and we talked to him on the way back out. And we came back. We had the greatest conversation about the dead and the stones and classic rock in general. And then I'm pretty sure we hung out on your back porch with some Grampy's Sleepy Tobacco and uh, listened to what the fuck? What was, was the it? pond? Tell, you can tell me the pond. It was Lower Spec. Wow, I do you remember going to Lower Spec? Yeah. It was lower spec, and we went. We had come back, and it, it, this was the night with the the, the 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 hippie skinny dippers. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yes. that, I knew you Those were going to remember. Cool. That. All right, yeah, they were awesome. Yeah, well, they weren't skinny. I mean, they had clothes on. It was the old dude with the beard. Thank God he had clothes on. And then yeah, was, but the girl was as soon as we turned around. I think that the tops and everything came off. Oh yeah, well, good for her. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do remember that. Okay. Yeah. yeah I mean, Grampy's Sleepy Medicine can cloud fishing trips sometimes. Of course it can. In the best about way possible. Up. Yeah. Sean, I was just about to pull up the data. Joe's over like there. <laughs> I wouldn't know dicks. Yeah. Drugs and dicks. Drugs and again. dicks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's so fucking stupid. Yeah. I got my mojo back is what happened here. Yeah. No, it's I, a good thing. It's a good thing, man. And that's how it should be. And I'll bet you, I'll bet you everybody noticed. I'll bet you everybody's uh, noticed. It's good. I mean, I'm out most of the time fishing by myself, though. It's just I, I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm mentally better. I'm I, yeah. I, I really, that was a, you know, I should have, I should have really related this in segment one, but I wanted to fish that high competitive level, and I did so, and I did all right. Yeah, I didn't do bad. Um, I, was I the greatest? Absolutely not. Did I have some big wins? Absolutely. Yeah, you did. You did just fine. I did fine. I acquitted yeah. myself fine, but it got to a point where there was, there was fucking way too much going on that didn't jive with me and really, you know, keeping me away from the waters mm -hmm. that I want to fish. And, um, I'm, uh, I'm happily kind of back in that, uh, back in the groove, man. It's all good. That's fucking awesome, dude. That is fucking awesome. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I think I, I think that about sums it up for the show. Joe, do you have anything you want to jump in here? Or are you just over there ordering plastics? <laughs> I, and again, not that there's anything wrong with that. Oh, God. I've been ordering so much shit. It's so bad. Um, and I probably won't use any of it. I'll probably stick to like two things. But uh, no, man, I, I, I got it. It was an awesome show. Appreciate everyone for uh, tuning in. I think this winter... You know, maybe we leave like the retail outlets out of it, but maybe what we do is we kind of do like a little gear buyers support group and we we maybe make that a segment between the months of November and March. And we yeah. open up the hotline and let people know they can call in and be like, and maybe maybe I'll even disguise their voices for fun. You'd be like, <laughs> hi, this is Jerry multi-species house. Bobby, you're going to have to f do something with my voice. People are going to know. 
<laughs> but I went out and I blew my mortgage payment on twin tail grubs. <laughs> I didn't realize Jerry was such a grub fan. <laughs> I'm just using that as an example, but you know what I mean? I think that is I think that could be a lot of fun. Jig heads, the few of you that are still in here, let us know in the comments if you think if you would even do that. Because I mean, I, I think that the hotline is awesome. And if we can incorporate that in any way possible, I'm down to do it. You're, you're reading what Zach said? <laughs> no. No, I'm reading my notes from that trip. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's right, because it's in the database. Yeah, I'm reading my notes. So I write I write shit down in my database, whether it has to do with fishing or not. And it helps me remember this shit because, again, I'm a hippie. Ready? Yep. Check this out. Figured I'd try to get BRB on a jig or frog bite because this was your first time there. Yeah. Didn't quite work out that way. I got most of mine that way, and he sunk an 18 and a half on a, I'm not going to name the lure, at the north end was ecstatic about it. Awesome, awesome dusk run. Period. Last note. Also saw the locals, in parentheses, Ed and Bill, comma, the ancient one and his daughter. <laughs> the ancient one. That guy was 5,000 years old. He's like, I'm fucking going swimming in a cold spring, possibly haunted lake. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit what's going on here. You guys the ancient ain't one. shit. Yeah. Uh, I love it, guys. Fuck. What well, are you doing? <laughs> I, I think that's the end of this week's show, guys. What an amazing show. <laughs> next week, we have great stuff coming up. Next week, you guys can tune in and listen. We've got uh, Josh Cotier with us, who is the uh, AOY winner of Joe's uh, American League that he's been doing uh, all this season. You're not going to want to miss this, guys. This is a really, really fun, great interview. We'll be back in uh, seven days with more Jigs and Bigs goodness. You guys don't want to miss it. Uh, like we always say to you guys, go Go ahead and tag us in your posts. Uh, there's a couple of you guys that do this all the time, and I love it. Uh, Alec Plotnikevich is one of those guys that 100% does that. Uh, a bunch of you guys have been tagging us, but go ahead, tag us in your fish catches. We want to know what's up. Sean, what do you got for us? Hey, don't forget to sign up for the October Jigs and Bigs tournament. If you can get out and fish, the new rules are in place. Have yeah. a good time with it. Um, also, next week, we will be doing the uh, conclusion of the September because that will be wrapped up on Saturday, and we'll be doing our drawings. So tune in, fuckers. I love it, guys. Uh, so with that said, we'll check you back in seven days for more Jigs and Bigs goodness. Find out next week how my old man and I do on the uh, great, the mighty Quabbin Reservoir. Do we fill a limit or do we get the skunk? I don't know. But either way, it's going to be a good time. And you guys are going to hear about it next week. Have yourselves a good one, everybody. Uh, have tight lines and uh, catch some biggins. We will see you next week. For more Jigs and Bigs goodness, like we always say, it's an ass smoke. Smoke.